And you are listening to episode 377 of 11 O'Clock Comics. Woohoo! Feel right though. Doesn't feel normal. No, but that well, so that's why I like the little uh, the little change up in the intro. Yeah, nice. I had to I like make it, it my own. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like. You like it. that? I did. Nice. What's oh, up, man? It, the dynamic duo up in here for reals. Yeah. As yeah. as this, we're, we're now hearing the sound of 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 iPhones and iPods across America <laughs> being turned off. <laughs> that's if, but see, they knew this already. So that's if the episode was even downloaded. That's true. So those of you who did decide to download and, and listen to just Jason and I tonight, then uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Somewhere right now, Raphael Sands is in is in Brooklyn being like, what? Oh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Can't have that. It's like they're having... I don't know what he like, he dislikes more, when we have a guest on or, or when Vince is on. <laughs> Vince is on. Uh, That's all right. We'll soldier on for the, for the thousands of faithful who do, Damn skip for some reason, like to hear our voices. That is crazy. It is. It's still, I'm still like somewhat in in shock and 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 very humble. But it's it's uh, no. We'll we'll just you know we'll we'll do what we do. I mean, maybe we'll talk about a couple of things that we know Vince either hasn't read, won't read, hasn't watched, won't watch. Um, or maybe we'll even talk about a couple of things that he would be here to talk about, but he ain't. That's right. And then we'll laugh at him when he brings it up in two weeks as though it's never been talked about. Because we know for sure he's not going to listen to these two oh, episodes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And those those are the episodes that people will respond to about Vince's opinions on those books we already talked about. Exactly. We know you people. Very so true. I, um, before we do... Oh, son of a... What? I didn't write anything down, so I'm going to let... I'm, I'm going to let you run with the sponsorship real quick. Oh, snap. All right. right. <laughs> Winging it. I didn't mean Winging to throw it. that on you there real quick, but <laughs> hi, Christina. Well, uh, wow. Okay. So, well, listen, I mean, uh, it, it, it is easy to wing a uh, a few moments to tout discountcomicbookservice.com, who have been our gracious sponsors for seven plus years. And it's easy for me to spot, to, to give them a shout out because I have been a customer for longer than we have existed. That's true. So it's uh, it's like Victor Kayam, right? I'm, I'm not only the uh, they're not only a sponsor, but uh, but but I use the service too. They they are um, if not the largest, they are one of the largest 
comic book retailers in the world, and certainly the largest uh, internet-based retailer in the world. And the awesome thing about it is you can get crazy discounts on just about any comic or any trade paperback, collected edition, collectible that you want or your heart desires every single month. Um, if you go to their website, again, it's, it's, uh, the website is dcbservice.com. You can uh, sort online on, on the catalog or you can do what I do and download an Excel spreadsheet which has all of the diamond uh, inventory on a spreadsheet that you can toggle and add stuff to and then upload. That's what I do. And you get no worse than 40% off any Marvel or DC single issue. They also run amazing bundles each month. Uh, there is uh, always a bundle or two from DC and a bundle or two from Marvel. There's usually a Vertigo bundle, an Image bundle. So essentially, they make it super easy for you to get all the comics that you want at a ridiculously low price. And um, you know, maybe not as eloquent as Vince, but I can genuinely say that it's uh, uh, as someone who consumes lots of things and uses lots and lots of internet-based services, there is no question that the Merklers at Discount Comic Book Service have one of my favorite services in any category across the uh, the grand universe. So check it out. DiscountComicBookService.com, DCB service, and be sure to let them know that uh, we sent you because uh, they they appreciate knowing where uh, where their bread is buttered. That is true. Um, yeah, I was actually uh, I was chatting with Christina um, during their whirlwind tour of vacationing slash working because they were mm-hmm. uh, they they were down south on vacation and then they. Um, I think they might have had a breather for 20 minutes before they headed out to uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. And while she was going through all of this, I I shot a message her way because I need uh, the the issue 10 of Southern Bastards with the variant cover that benefits the the, the proceeds go to the um, Memorial Hope Fund. So... um, I wanted to make sure that uh, that I had it in for the uh, the cutoff, and I'm not sure if the order cutoff for this particular cover, um, if it uh, I guess supersedes the the order cutoff for when your order needs to be in for DCBS. But I- oh yeah, rock and start. Who is calling? Huh? Oh, is it me trying to redial you? I think so. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. Because uh, I didn't even have... Skype wasn't even the primary window. So there we go. Um, so I I, uh, I reached out to Christina and everything should be should be good to go. So, uh, yeah, you, you really can't beat them when it comes to, to, to handling their business. It, it's the, They are extremely good at what they do. And we should say who we, who it is that's speaking right now. Oh, suck a duck. We should, we should first start off the, with the obvious. Our... our, our uh, much beloved third leg and and generally the producer of the show, Mr. Vince B, is not here, uh, but it's for a good reason. Yeah. He is in the final stages uh, of his quest to become a master. I'm not do you know? I'm not exactly sure what he's becoming a master of, but it's some type of art or graphic arts, right? Design. It is. Yeah, I, I don't. Do you know what his degree? I don't think it's fine arts. Okay. Well, he's getting his master's degree in some some artistic medium that will hopefully further his career ambitions and uh so 
we are holding it down, and uh, so so I'm not Vince Me, and you are. I am David A. Price. You are, and I, I probably didn't need any introduction because you all watch me uh, on Cutthroat Kitchen every single night. I am Alton Brown. Ah, you are not Alton Brown. Although I, man, if if I could be friends with Jason Wood or Alton Brown, it is that's that's a struggle. But you are. Jason, woo! This is if if this is your first episode, or if this is your first episode with just Jason and I, Sans Vince. Um, we're not usually this rough at the start. I mean, the last episode <laughs> I put together was three sixty three, so it was barely a few months ago, and and we're already like, I don't know what button to press, and is this recording? And it's 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 starting off a train wreck. I don't think it will end. A train wreck, no, but it's um, yeah. I think part reason. of it is that I, I don't know about you, but I I knew that we were doing the show without Vince, but admittedly, maybe because of the time of year versus the last time, I showed up to record tonight woefully ill prepared with which which I should say by the way that's generally how I show up, <laughs> but normally I just have to show up and and, and and be pretty and talk. That is true. Yeah, talent. But I not. I think the last time you and I did it, I had some notes ready, including an intro and a sponsorship intro and all that stuff because I I thought it through this time. I was acting like it was just regular old business and yeah. showed up uh, without any thought to making your life easier as the producer. So you can well, thank you for that. I, uh, I I should have had. I have titles that I've read, but I, I don't have a lot of info as far as like who all of the creators were. So um, I may, I may not just produce the show. You may get the Vince sound effects, and if I start typing away, you'll know that I'm just trying to make sure that credit is given where it is deserved. But uh, yes, so it's 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 Dave and Jason. We will hopefully be a little bit polished next week because we've never had two weeks in a row with just you and I. Um, that is true. So hopefully. I'm, I'm I'm banking on us uh, being a little better prepared next week, at least at the start. And and you know, and again, this is usually the stuff that people fast forward through because it's either um, it's it's the intros, it's the drink roll call, it's it's you know they they want to listen to our opinions or our reviews of things. So they uh, I don't know how many people actually. If you hear that, if this if you listen to this. Say something either on on the forum eleven o'clock comics dot com or on our eleven o'clock comics Facebook group page, and let us know if you actually heard the beginning of the episode. That is a good point. And yes, I, we next week we will either be better because we'll have dusted the rust off of the two person show, or we can always make a fallback and bring a, a, a guest on, which is always <laughs> yeah. another way to, to cover like, things up. I know I, we should have just done a clip show and be done with it. Uh, we we should call Ron and say, Ron, do you want to come on and, and produce the show? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, a guest host, guest producer. That is awesome. That that's fantastic. It's assistant. We get Daryl. Think of all the all of our friends that actually produce. Yeah, absolutely Daryl right. pro- produces his show. I'm sure he could do it. Who else? Um, I don't know. Maybe we get Norton on. He produces Crankcast. I think they still do Crankcast. Yeah. He doesn't. He's not going to yes, hear this. He? So I mean, he doesn't even. It's not. <laughs> well, no, because he's a trip. Because when in 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 Heroes at Heroes Con, um, one of the first things, well, one of the first things that I said to him when I saw him for the first time in in months and probably a year, um, over a year, uh, was Mike 
this is Renee, Renee, this is Mike. But after Renee left the next day, I think it was Saturday, or maybe it was even later Friday, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I asked him, you know, whose idea was it to come up with the new Sentinel in Years of Future Past? Because that last panel on the last page was phenomenal. And he's like, oh, man, oh, you mean the Secret Wars? He's like, oh, no, that was my idea. I had to do that. I said, yeah, I'll do this, but I have to do I'm like, dude, that was phenomenal. I saw that, and I wigged out. I forgot about everything else in the issue once I saw that panel. It was just, it was perfect. And he's like, oh, man, that's great. He's like, I don't, no one said anything. I don't know, you know, no one's giving me any feedback about it. And then right before he said that, he said he doesn't listen to podcasts. And I'm like, well, if you listen to at least our show, you'd know someone was talking about it. So you can't say no one's been talking about it if you haven't heard uh, what people have been saying about it. So he's not going to hear this. So I'm, Very true. I'm, I'm fine with me not knowing if a new Crankcast has been up. Uh, Although, being that he is not without ego, as most people are not, he probably has a Google alert. So anytime we mention him by name, he probably gets a little alert and listens. So he's probably going to listen to this, and then you're going to be in the doghouse. So next con, when you're hoping to get an awesome Mike Norton sketch, that, yeah. he's going to give you the gas face. I, you're absolutely right, and 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 deservedly so. Um, and if and you know, I'll I own it. You know, that's that's fine. If uh, if he wants to call me out on it, or if someone if someone tells him that I said something about him and Crankcast and. Uh, that's that's fine. We won't arm wrestle to the death or anything, but I'll um, I'll I'll own it. Speaking of the gas face, what uh, might you be drinking? Uh, it is definitely not uh, anything that would cause um, gas face. Um, I I pulled this out of the wine rack uh, in honor of Vince because of the name of the vineyard but this is this is fantastic i've been um i said something online the other day and and uh joey nazari kind of echoed my sentiments but i have been in love with um with red blends lately more so than usual um and right now i am enjoying very much so uh gnarly head limited release Authentic Black. Uh, this is, let's see, it is, uh, actually, oh, uh, no, it does not say the, uh, this, it, it is a dark red wine. It is a rich, dark, bold red wine, according to the label, but it does not, uh, I don't see it breaking down the, uh, the varieties, so um, it's it's a dark red wine, and and I am absolutely in love with it. I respect, I, I you know I like the grape myself. Yep, can't can't argue that. Um, I'm I'm switching it up a little bit tonight. Uh, you know, again, it's me and you. I want to do a little something special. Uh, you know, tonight is kind of special, as the uh, commercial said. So I dust. You, you know, I'm not, not a big whiskey drinker. Club. Oh no, that is true. I do know this. Yeah, I, I am. I am not. In spite of you and 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 and, uh, and Mario and oh, and, okay. and Chris and, and so many others that uh, that I adore um, and spend time with. Uh, despite all of you loving the whiskey, especially the bourbons and whatnot, I, I have not been able to 
acquire a taste for it uh, generally, um, uh, in spite of best efforts. But a uh, little-known fact about the old Woodrow, uh, in, in, when I wasn't drinking beer in college, I was uh, almost assuredly drinking Irish whiskey, um, mainly Bushmills back then because that's what was available at the bars that would let me in at 18 when I would go and drink underage. Uh, but, but that said, uh, there in our, we have a liquor cabinet here at the house, as most adults do, and admittedly, since neither my lovely wife or I are big-time uh, liquor drinkers, often it just gathers dust in between when we have social gatherings or parties. So I went out. I went there uh, in anticipation of tonight, and found uh, a twenty-year-old bottle of single malt Irish whiskey. Wow! Uh, from uh, I, I believe I'm saying this right. Tier Connell, T Y R C O N N E L L, and uh, and I uh, busted it out here, and I have a glass. I'm just drinking it stiff, no ice, and uh, I must admit, it is. Many, many, many times better than Bushmills. <laughs> it is super smooth, almost too smooth, smooth enough to be dangerous if I didn't have a, uh, a set fixed amount here sitting in my glass, followed shortly by Diet Dr. Pepper once that runs out. But yes, so I'm drinking some Irish whiskey, uh, and I, I toast you and our, uh, our, our date night. Aw. Mm-hmm. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right, let's, let's talk some comics. Uh, well, first, I have oh. a, a thank you. Look at you. Um, you may as well, but uh, my note said, um, well, this is this is from Drew. Drew sent me uh, something. Drew the Damager? Uh, no. no it's, uh, Drew Van. Actually, I'm not going to go. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to put his own yes. name Oh, actually, there. you know what? Thank you for reminding me. I, too, did get something from Drew yesterday. I, oh, perfect. I, I forgot to grab it from. I usually grab things from the kitchen to to bring up to remind me to give shout outs, and I had forgotten to grab it in my haste to get here from my uh, kids' swim meet. So yes, thank you for bringing it up. So go ahead. Uh, so um, Drew is a fan of the show, and uh, the past couple months have been a little rough for him. And uh, while he's been handling his business, there's uh, he's been listening to the show, and uh, and, and it's made things. Um, Far more pleasant and, and easier to um, to get over by the uh, so as a thanks a little thanks for the hard work and positivity he has sent each of us a little something and um, I according to his note he um, he he didn't I guess uh, express that in in uh, in his packages to you and Vince so it's. It's a thank you, basically. Um, so he it also says that uh, I may have this issue already, but if not, uh, I'll probably enjoy it. Not only because I'll be reading it for the first time, but because it is uh, it's signed by the uh, the basically the the writer and and the cover artist and and uh, it's based it's. It is the world's silliest comic magazine. It is the Fantastic Four roast by Fred Hembeck and a lot of awesome. people. And it is signed by Fred Hembeck. And I, I read this, I don't know how many years ago. Right. But I will have a lot of fun reading it again. This is from uh, cover date, May 1982. Um, 
and the the wraparound cover is is phenomenal. It's it's a straight it, it's it's a Hembeck and Terry Austin inked cover. Uh, the the interior art, like I said, it's it's story and layouts. Fred Hembeck, um, plot assist and editing is by Jim Shooter, but the art it is credited to almost everybody. And just flipping through it, yeah, there's I, there's there's Bob Layton, there's Kerry Gamble, there's Mark Bright, there's there's Byrne, there is a uh, plethora. There are a ton of people working on this uh, working on this issue, and and no ads. It is just, I mean. And Hembeck drew a strip in the uh, the inside covers. So I mean, it is it is nothing but wall to wall Fred Hembeck comic booky goodness. So I uh, I thank you very much for this, Drew. I will enjoy reading it, and I will probably um, I'll be reading it real real soon. So that's my thank you for this evening. Very cool. And uh, again, I apologize because I don't have it sitting here. But I do know for sure that it was, and you're right, there was no note in mine, um, so I thank you for the context. But uh, there was the first issue of Lady Mechanica, which was very nice of him because I had put out that request last week. Yes. Uh, a friend of ours is, in, is, is getting into comics, and she's interested in reading that series, and it's very hard to find. So that is awesome. And then he provided uh, to me... Uh, an issue of the uh, Captain Britain magazine, which we so lovingly uh, touted a few weeks back when uh, buddies from across the pond sent me the first uh, two appearances of Captain Britain. Uh, again, I, I, I will remedy this to next week. I'll have it here. I, I don't offhand remember which issue it was that he sent me, um, but I do know that's what it was. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Now we can now talk let's comics. talk comics. Yes, indeed. Uh... So the... Um, San Diego happened. San Diego did happen. Yeah, yeah. And wow, you you, you say that was such no 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 I, no. There were um, there were some pretty <laughs> there was some pretty heavy news coming out of the show. I think this year. I agree, and I thought maybe I, I didn't. Again, I don't have a lot of notes here, but I thought uh, we could maybe just riff on a couple things that caught each other's fancies. I mean, one of the things. I always love about the uh, and really one of the few reasons I would seriously consider going one time if we ever do make the trip um, is that um, is the Eisner Awards. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love the Eisners um, and I think they do a great job and frankly I, I'm sure they've always done a great job but I feel like in recent years um, I've found maybe because of my own reading or what have you but but I've, I've really found that to be not only a great source of, of, of pride for seeing friends and, and and people we associate with win stuff, but but also uh, it's a fertile ground for me to to lead me to try things I might otherwise have missed or or not tried. Um, so it's always cool, and and I, I don't think people want to hear us go through every single award, but um, I mean some of the big ones. Um, Saga, of course, won uh, seemingly because it's Saga and it wins every time um, for best continuing series. Um, I don't really have much to say about that other than it's always deserving, you know, I guess. Yeah. Uh, best new series, though, was Lumberjanes, which which I talked about a month or two back, and I, I, that's great to see. Because, yes. again, that, that's one of those comics that is decidedly for a different audience and um, and truly is about, you know, diversity in the in, in, in the readership. and that, So that's great. So kudos to uh, Noelle Stevenson and Brooke Allen and Grace Ellis on that. 
um, uh, I, I was a little surprised, although not because it didn't deserve it. I think most people thought that um, uh, Multiversity would win for Best Limited Series by Grant um, Morrison and, and a collection of artists. But but uh, actually, Little Nemo Return to Slumberland uh, won uh, the uh, Eric Schanauer and Gabriel Rodriguez joint. So, um, I mean, that was a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, uh, I, I probably personally enjoyed Multiversity more, but 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 I just because of the content. But but wow, did that book look the part? So, um, I think the biggest surprise for me was was best uh, best single issue one shot. I I figured again that was like Pax Americana had that lockdown because it was nominated, you know, Morrison and Quitely. Yeah. I thought okay, that that's as close to a lock as it was, and and uh, and no, it it went to um, Evan Dorkin and Jill Thompson for Beasts of Burden, which uh, I, I haven't read it, so I don't I can't speak to it, but that surprised me a bit. It's. Um I do know that it it, it is it's one of those things where I I also haven't read it, but I know it it is good. I expect it to be good, um, and and I like the idea of it. But it's it's one of those books where I, I probably can't put myself in in the position or the situation of of reading it because I know eventually something is going to happen to a dog in in this book, and it's 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 a uh, for anybody who doesn't know. Um, the gist I have is that a uh, bunch of dogs in a neighborhood are basically detectives, and and uh, and I know that. And they was it the crossover with Hellboy, or was that that was last year? I think I don't know if it would be eligible. No, no, I don't think so. At least okay. not by the name. Um, but there was at least one mini mini series. There's been a special or two. Um, there may have been more, but it's a uh, it's yeah, it's written by Dorkin. It's it's uh, illustrated by by Thompson, and it looks great. Um, and everybody I know who has read it uh, hasn't had anything negative to say about it. So I, yeah, I mean, depending on what else was was listed as far as best one shot or single issue, um, to me, that book may have been a long shot. But I am, I am very glad it won. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's fair. Um, uh, two, two, uh, two of our uh, our Pittsburgh buddies uh, won. Uh, uh, Ed Pisker won for uh, Hip Hop Family Tree for best reality based work. Awesome to see. And then our buddy Jim Rugg won an Eisner for the um, the design work of uh, Little Nemo Dream Another Dream, which was that awesome, massively oversized uh, uh, anthology book that Locust Moon put out. Yep. So he designed that and he got his, I believe, his first Eisner. That's awesome. Which is super cool if you could see. That's very cool. I think um, uh, because he wasn't Jim was not in attendance, so Ed brought it correct. back to Pittsburgh, and uh, and it was a picture of the two of them at uh, at the comic shop. I think it's Copacetic Comics, but there, there yep. was a picture of the two of them and and uh, with with their Eisners, and it was um, that was neat to see. Another one that was a little um, it was a little give and take. I, I was sad to see Jason Aaron not win for best writer because I certainly thought he deserved it. Um, and he was nominated, but he he lost to uh, Gene uh, Lu and Yang, who I, I think had a phenomenal year and uh, and and is is definitely less known. So I, I got to give I'm, I'm happy to see that as well because again he's a guy that that's uh, that's on the rise. So kudos to him for that. Um, um, I'm trying to think of anything else really. Uh, Private Eye won for best digital web comic, right. which makes a ton of sense. 
Um, this one summer by the uh, Tamaki Cousins, Mariko and Julian, which I loved last year, won the uh, best graphic album. Um, so I, I definitely was rooting for that one. Uh, Steranko's um, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Artist Edition uh, won for, for best archival collection. Can't argue with that. The artist editions are always in the running there. Um, and then one that I have to get smart about uh, is Raina Telgmeier won for Best Writer Artist for Sisters. And I don't think I've ever read a Raina Telmeyer book. And upon her winning, I was listening to another podcast, actually from our friends at, uh, at, at Challengers in Chicago. Uh, uh, Patrick and Dow, the owners, have a podcast now where they talk about books. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's from the perspective of a retailer which is one of the reasons I like it. It's, it's a different approach. Right. But they were recapping their Eisners, and they made the point that even though most of us wouldn't guess it, Raina Telmeyer, Tel, I, I hope I'm saying her name right, I think the G is silent, but um, it's Telgemeyer phonetically, but I think it's Telmeyer. Anyways, they were saying that, uh, that she moves an ungodly amount of units, especially wow. in the uh, book and library markets. That her, her graphic novels are some of the best-selling, like not quite Jeff Smith level, but that her books sell way more units than almost anything that we would think of uh, in the in the industry that sells. So I just I made a mental note that that I need to try some of her stuff out with the quickness just to see what it's all about because I have a, that's a complete white space for me. I don't know if you know her work no. at all, but I, I, I other than I knew her name, but I, I can't speak to anything beyond that. Other than I, I know she I, I knew she existed, but I don't know about her work. So yeah. And that's about it. I mean, you know, D- Dave, Dave Stewart won best coloring, and, and look, I guess he always deserves it. But I got to admit that you know it'd be nice to see someone else win win an Eisner <laughs> for coloring. She, he can't be the only awesome colorist in the industry, and we know he's not. So, um, and and for the like seventh year in a row, the most egregious error was that uh, we didn't win for best comics related periodical or journalism. Uh, kills me. Maybe next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. Damn it. One of these years, the committee will be comprised of enough people that have been on the show that we'll, we'll have our moment. I like it. I like the way you think. Put it this way. Let's make a commitment. If we get nominated for this Eisner ever, we'll go to, we'll go to San Diego. Without a doubt. All yes, right. absolutely. Respect. So what grabbed you? What, what kind of news floated your boat? Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the return of Milestone. As, I figured as, as much. Part yes. of Earth M, uh, but bigger than that is that uh, one of our favorite favorite writers uh, will be back in the fold because he was there at the beginning for Milestone 1.0. Uh, he created the logo, but uh, he was there. He did not write any books at launch. Um, pretty much, kind of leaving the company before anything went to uh, went to press but Christopher Priest will be part of Milestone 2.0. Um woot woot. Yeah, I mean the fact that uh that he will be doing something in comics again uh pleases me greatly and and I uh Renee knows I'm a big fan of the guy. It's it's just it I I like it. I, I I love the news. I'm hoping that he does uh, stick around long enough so that uh, 
before the Black Panther movie comes out that they maybe do that Marvel does an omnibus of his run. Um, it's just it's it would be great to see his name on the cover of of a comic book again as far as the credits go, and uh, that that was awesome. Uh, there was also the um, the the huge news from IDW and Hasbro, and that uh, that IDW is bringing back or will start Rom and Micronauts comics. Yeah, now let's unpack that one for a second. Okay. Because uh, I didn't see Vince post that news on his Facebook feed, to which I posted excitedly on our 11 o'clock comics Facebook page, and then you called me cute because (laughs) I didn't see Vince's uh, response already. So so needless to say, as much as we're excited about this, Vince is unabashedly a, a humongous Micronauts and ROM fan, and he often laments the lack of those uh, characters in the Marvel Universe. So, big news for him. But as I think through this, there are definitely some unanswered questions because in both cases, essentially, Marvel took licenses and then ran with them and really created a lot of the things that we hold dear about those two books are actually property of Marvel. Um so, so it, now maybe maybe this has been made clear, but I wasn't sure if IDW is getting the rights to everything, or they're just getting the rights to the stuff that Marvel hasn't had the rights to. And to me, that 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 makes the difference in this to being amazing news, or I'm not sure I ultimately care news because if, for example, if Rom can't use. Galador and the Dire Wraiths and and all that sort of stuff. Then I don't know if I'm vibing on it. If if the Micronauts can't use characters like Bug, uh, I'm again I'm not sure I'm as I'm, I'm as Jonesed on it. So have you heard whether they got the full kit and caboodle? No, no, that I haven't. Um, all all Chris Real has said is that uh, they're coming back to comics next year, so 2016 via IDW. Um, mm-hmm. which is something that Chris has been pushing for for years. And it's, um, I don't know if, I mean, because they, they reprinted the G.I. Joe stuff, right? The the Larry Hama, Rod Wiggum, um, Mike Vosberg, G.I. Joe stuff. So I, I'm sure, depending on how it works out with um, with Hasbro and, and what kind of relationship um, or contract-wise they had with Marvel, I don't know if IDW can reprint that stuff. They may not be able to tell new stories with the Dire Wraiths, or with Bug, who has been a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but IDW may be able to reprint those works. My enjoyment would... It's its definitely a wait-and-see approach for me. I, I, I can't... I can't say, oh my god, I'm not going to try this Micronauts book because maybe Bug's not in it, or... Um, or anything right, sure. in, in, in that regard, or, or they'll only mm-hmm. be able to mention the X Men crossover. But the uh, if if they haven't been around for a while, same thing with Rom. I mean, you know, yes, Rom's arch enemy was the Dire Wraiths, and and for so long, and um, and then Rom went off into the sunset. I don't know if we've seen Brandy since then either. But it's um, you know, if if it's years later. 
there may be a new threat, and I don't want a um, a dire raid three ducks. But if if there's something else that, that that can be a big enough threat for Rom to take care of, you know, then that might um, appease me a bit. It the one report I read is saying that hopefully, and because because there's been very hardly any. Thing regarding where this is going and what they're going to be able to do. Um, so the next time they may be able to report anything about it, maybe at New York Comic Con in October. So that's that. that someone had written that that's probably the earliest we may hear something because uh, it's a big enough stage instead of just slipping something out via News of Rama or Bleeding Cool. Um, but it it's it's. Uh, it's interesting. I it's it'll be neat to see these characters on on the printed page in new stories. It's um I it, it, but it is definitely a wait and see thing for me cuz I just I don't I don't want just fan service or 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 just bad fan fiction where it's someone telling a rom story that is just not it either doesn't feel or read like the character that we're so attached to. And that's the character we want to see in new stories. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's Rom's kid. I just, I, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I am also, um, I'm, I'm definitely waiting to see where, where, where they're going with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, you brought up a key point, which is that IDW has a an unusually. Um, pleasant relationship with Marvel. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, the hell they do the artist editions. That's what I mean. And, and it, it stems into the artist editions. And I don't know if that's the root of it, but as you noted, the other thing that, that I did, and I don't know the terms of this, but IDW has managed to get the rights to GI Joe and Transformers reprints that no one else ever got. I mean, Devil's Due didn't have it. Um, and so, uh, in fact, I, I've been buying as they come out, the uh, IDW has been reprinting uh, all of the GI Joe uh, comic from first issue on, um, and I've been collecting those, and so yeah, they they so they have a relationship with Marvel. So that's why I ask. I mean, if this is a situation where um, part of this deal is that a they get to reprint all the old stuff, which would be awesome because I have one of those omnibuses to come out forever, that would be great. And 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 I think that's actually kind of likely. I think they're so known now for their high quality reprints that I have to think this is part of the business model. But two, in terms of news stories, I think we can both agree that it, that that really it'll very much come down to who's who's involved from a creator standpoint. Um, you know, you, oh, yeah. you put the right team on these books, and I'm over the moon. Um, you know, you put well, I was I'm not going to blow somebody up, but you, you put them, you put some people that are commonly doing some of the other IDW license properties on them, and, and I'm not that excited. So we'll have to wait to be seen but i have to say it's been a long time since either of those properties have had any real new momentum outside of vince begging for it every couple of months on our show so (laughs) it's pretty neat stuff yeah what else is floating your boat they announced a bunch of um vertigo titles they did uh including our boy tom king Yes. And Mitch Jarrods. Mitch Jarrods and Tom King doing Prince of Baghdad. Yeah. I I shared a, uh, I think it was Boing Boing, had a um, top ten, or the the, the ten biggest things with um, NewsWise. 
the uh, the ten Comic Con announcements that are actually about comics. Uh, there was um, <laughs> Joss Whedon's twist. Um, That's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. Um, Joss Whedon's first comics in a while, and he has likened it to a female Batman set in Victorian times. Yes, which is a heck of a of an elevator pitch, especially coming from Whedon. I think he is, uh, at least for me, I I love him writing a female protagonist. I think he he's he's done that well many many times over. So so I'm pretty stoked for that one for sure. Yes, dozen new Vertigo comics are hitting the stands. They are uh, let's see, The Twilight Children by Gilbert Hernandez and Darwin Cook. That is a must have. Uh, Survivors Club number uh, by Lauren Bukes. Dale Halverson and Ryan Kelly. Clean Room by Gail Simone and John Davis Hunt. This was previously announced last year in October uh, and then scheduled for spring 2015. Uh, But it's a mind-bending series that tells the story of a journalist's investigation into a guru who claims to be able to heal deep-seated psychological problems thanks to her mysterious, hermetically sealed clean room. Art Ops is by Sean Simon and Michael Allred. That should be good. Uh, Unfollow is by Rob Williams and Mike Dowling. No information available, but based on the cover alone, we wouldn't be surprised if it's some sort of social media serial killer thriller. Slash and Burn by Cy Spencer, Max Dunbar, and Andy Parks. This is probably... Mm. This is... I don't remember the last thing, Andy... I don't remember how long ago it was that Andy Parks inked something at least with any regularity I, obviously right. the man does the sketches and commissions it shows he um you know there there are inked pages out there that that he's worked on i have one on my wall from, from green arrow uh mm-hmm. so there's a um and andy is one of my favorite anchors he's an extremely talented anchor so the fact that uh, that he is getting um he's getting credit on slash and burn uh pleases me, but it, it's... Roshin Hayes is a former pyromaniac turned firefighter who investigates a series of fires that remind her of her own past crimes. Uh, there is Red Thorn by David Bailey and Megan Hetrick. Apologies if I mangled anybody's name. Jacked, which is not about Doug Monkey. It's Eric Kripke and John oh. Higgins. <laughs> There is the Sheriff of Baghdad, which is... Yeah, oh, Sheriff of Baghdad, not Prince, uh, by Tom King. Oh, and I'm sorry. Mitch Jerry. I'm sorry. Um, if, if it's, you know, Mitch is a damn fine talent when you want... Uh, when when it, the story is set in a war zone or there's guns involved, he is a... Uh, he, he's basically Elliot R. Brown who tells sequential stories. It's... Um, I, I really liked Mitch's work. On the Punisher, I, uh, I I own a page a page with uh, with Frank and Loot. It's um, it's one of my favorites. But this, I mean, Mitch is drawing it, so I'm definitely going to check it out. But the fact that Tom is writing it makes it a um, pretty much a must have and, and a no brainer. And it's uh, a murder mystery crime procedural about a former Florida police officer who joined the army after 9/11 and now trains Iraqi police officers in Baghdad. And I am sure this will feel somewhat authentic, and, and the characters and the settings will, will feel lived in and real uh, based on Tom King's previous 
job. So um, I, I think this this is true. Th- this should be a pretty damn fine read. Uh, Sheriff of Baghdad, my bad. Yeah, new romancer and E W romancer is by Peter Milligan and Brett Parson. Uh, the art looks pretty cool, according to if this is the cover. Uh, Lexi, a coder for a dating app, inadvertently brings her own dream man to life, and he just happens to be Lord Byron. A high concept that sounds like a cross between Weird Science and Her, which I've only seen one of those movies, and it wasn't Her. Uh, it's a 12-issue series. Lucifer is by Holly Black and Lee Garbett, who's a name, that that's a name I have not... Um, Seen in a while, I think not since the uh, a Ghostwriter series from from a while ago, um, which I think may have been written by Simon. It was, uh, but it was it was a while. It, it's the one that introduced the um, the uh, Alejandra Ghostwriter, the one that's in Ghost Racers right now. So I, I hear Lucifer, and I, I thought it was the um, was it Mike Carey who wrote it? I, I was thinking it was the same. Same book, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just the same title. Uh, Last Gang mm-hmm. in Town by Simon Oliver and Rufus Dayglow. This is a punk gangster in 1970s London leads a heist to steal the crown. And it's a seven-issue series. So those are, um, yeah, from for me, not reading a Vertigo book in a long time to me reading quite a few. That's um, That's some pretty big news, I think. I'm 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 definitely down with that. There is a book from Marvel that looks like it's Blade's daughter. Someone likened it to um, Blade is Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and and obviously the 16 year old girl from Oregon named Fallon is Blade's daughter and would be Buffy. So um, yeah, I'm really I'm excited for that too. It's been a long time since we've had a Blade comic, and I realize this isn't. Uh, the, the blade that, that we've known and loved, but uh, I mean, at least not in the lead role at first. But but I'm stoked for this, and I think too that that uh, the way they've set it up is interesting because they're making it seem as though she is a reluctant yeah. acceptor of her father's throne. She's not. She's not. She's popular and well balanced, and 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 uh, and you know, you're right. I, I hadn't made the connection to Buffy until you just said it, but I guess that's kind of how Buffy started too. She was. Popular cheerleader and all that sort of thing. So I don't know if, how similar that it, people will probably be apt to make that comparison. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that. But if you're going by the Blade movie, which I don't think many as many people who watch the TV show have seen the movie. Um, the movie's what like 20 years old, maybe at least. It's it's been a long time since the movie was out. Uh, so um, and it's not starring. Sarah Michelle Geller. It's it, it's just um, so it'll be it, it will be uh, it'll be interesting. I'm hoping that enough time has passed from Buffy where where it kind of maybe will stand on its own. We won't have the, the comparisons right out right out the gate. Maybe this will have a chance to to stand on its own. All the name you mentioned earlier, Raina Telgmeier's uh, Ghosts. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. That's part. That's part of the reason that people are just again. She won for sisters. Uh, everyone's stoked about her ghost, so yeah, it's, that's one of the reasons I took note of her because she was getting buzz on a lot of different axes. Excellent. She well, she, she's adapted uh, the Babysitters Club. Aside from Sisters, she also did Smile drama. Uh, but this book called Ghosts is about a young woman moving to a spooky seaside town, uh, and it's oh, okay, it's a fall 2016 release, so it'll be a while. 
a another castle which looks uh, looks interesting. It, it, it's a uh, well, at least this one panel from it reminded me somewhat of um, Princeless, but it's uh, the animation is is a is not Disney-ish, but it's it's close and and uh, so it'll be interesting to see who, who the audience is for this. Probably something that really got me going when I saw it when I saw um, her make the announcement uh, is the return of Lady Killer mm-hmm. uh, Joelle Jones mentioned that uh, it was announced so she can post it looks like the uh, the family relocates to Florida so yeah so that it, I mean the, the first series was just was beautiful and, and I need to see if I can get any pages from this book but um, yeah I mean for just knowing what that uh, there's going to be more of it, and and kind of anything by Joel, I I will um, I will check out because I, I I think her art is, it's it is it's stunning and and uh, it is I I, I was I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue. I kind of want to say almost flawless, but it it's just I mean the action on it and it, it she just she can tell a fucking story is that that's what I'm saying it's it's gorgeous work and uh, whether it's Lady Killer or she's going to you know relaunch the Smurfs or whatever I will probably be there <laughs> to, to check out the book that she yeah. has and you know you, you mentioned it's uh, train of thought here as you mentioned Joel Jones one thing I think that's important um, such that I, I know that lots of people now view Vertigo as an also ran because Karen Berger's gone and Let's be honest, I think the way that people used to perceive Vertigo as the place where uh, interesting, different types of non-superhero comics were, that's been superseded in some ways by Image's success, and in even to a lesser extent, places like uh, Dark Horse and, uh, and, and others. Um, but I will say that there is, a, there is something that's different this time around, and that is uh, uh, Jamie uh, S. Rich has been put in charge of of, of Vertigo from an editorial standpoint. Um, I mean, Shelley Bond's technically the head of it, but but Jamie S. Rich was brought on board to handle the uh, the content uh, creation part of it. And um, it, you made me think of it because Jamie and, and Joel are, um, I don't know if they're a couple. at the hip, I know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're a couple. In fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure they're not, but but they are very, very close friends. And almost always, in their, every con I've ever seen Joel, it's been at a table set up with Jamie. So they're clearly very close and have done some stuff together. So uh, you made me think of it. But but so my, my point being, um, Jamie is very well respected within the industry. Um, he may not be a household name as a creator, but I think within the industry, people view his uh, artistic eye and his uh, ability to um, to connect a work to the right creators as as being at the top of, of, of the food chain. And so um, it seems like they are giving him a, a real shot here to try and reinvigorate Vertigo. And I, for one, would love to see it because uh, I definitely wouldn't be the comic fan I am if Vertigo hadn't had the run that they had in their burger. So right. I'm hoping that this, I'm hoping that this launch goes well for them. I agree without a doubt over the years, Vertigo has done a lot that, uh, that I've enjoyed and, and I, to see it not be used as much or as well as it had in the past kind of hurts. So, so the, um, it, it looks like they're going to just, they're going for broke. They're going to hit the ground running 
and, and release a bunch of books and, and judging by the list that I, I read off, these books are going to be by some extremely talented people. So, I mean, that's, it's a recipe for, for win right there. So I'm, I'm, I am quite happy. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there was a, um, there's a pretty interesting announcement regarding a crossover, uh, with, uh, with, with Marvel <laughs> Star Wars Batman. books. Oh, oh, I'm, th- oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about, uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, I see. I, I saw that and I wasn't sure if, I didn't think anybody was, I didn't think it was a mock news item. I, I wasn't sure how serious to take it. And, and of all the characters to team up with the Turtles, it's. Um, Batman wouldn't really be in my top five. Uh, so I'm not really sure how to make, what, what to make of it. it. It's it's two properties that we're fans of in this house. Um, we enjoy the Turtles cartoon. We, um, or the animated series. Uh, Renee's a big Batman fan. So I think we will be checking that out. But as far as what it's about or, or how it's set up, I have no knowledge on that. I don't know if you do. I, um, I, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know much in terms of, I don't know if they gave us too much to go on there. Um, I believe it's, uh, James Tinian, um, and, uh, and Freddie Williams, I believe are the, oh, okay. So, yeah. So yeah. quality creators, I mean, for sure. Yeah. 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 Right. I don't know if they're going to play it serious, but I, I presume they'll play it serious because Batman, Unless it's Batman sixty six, doesn't lend himself well to comedy. I don't think so. Well, there was the um, there was the Batman planetary crossover. I mean, obviously, and it was planetary, so they were able to fucks with some things. So you had, you know, I mean, he went from the Adam West Batman all the way up to the Dark Knight Returns Batman. So, um, mm-hmm. it it it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, here you would have, you know, the turtles are, um definitely street level characters or below street level characters and and uh and batman well they're they're heroes in the half shell after all after all and no it it should it should make for an interesting pairing but uh yeah i mean it would it would definitely be more appropriate if given their origins if it was daredevil or yeah almost almost anybody it's just it, batman seems like it seems like an easy grab or just um not quite sure how it fits, so I, I I need to see how it uh, how it plays out. I think it's it, it's just on paper. It just it it seems strange to me. So I'll, mm. I'll give them the benefit of doubt. I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, the no, that's um, cool. The Star Wars crossover. It's going to be between the ongoing Star Wars book and the ongoing Darth Vader's book. It's going to be called uh, Vader Down, and uh, I'm not sure. If it takes place, because right now in the books we're still between New Hope and Empire, so by the time this happens, I don't know if if it will be still between the two movies or if we'll be closer to Empire um, during Empire or post Empire. The way they're going, I wouldn't mind if it's still between New Hope uh, between episodes four and five. That that would be fine for me. It, it's we don't we don't need to rush. We know where everybody ends up. So just um, tell the stories and let them let them progress naturally. The issues will be written by their respective creators: Jason Aaron on Star Wars, Karen Gillan on Vader, uh, and it looks like the artists are going to be Mike Diodato and Salvador La Roca. So at least 
they'll be authentic in looks. So we'll we'll have that. There will also be a Chewbacca book coming out, written by Jerry Dugan and illustrated by Phil Noto. And when I think of large, hairy creatures, Noto is not necessarily the artist that comes to mind for that. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I mean, Noto might have been better on on the. Um, or might be a better fit for for another Leia book, something like that. But yeah, Chewie, uh, that that'll be that'll be interesting to see. And yeah, that, that seems to be about it. I mean, speaking of Blade, I think that Wesley Snipes was either it was announced over the weekend. I don't know if he was at San Diego, but the the headline I saw was that he was he was talking to Marvel and pushing to bring Blade into the uh, into the cinematic universe, whether that's a new show or an appearance in another movie or. If they ever get around, when they get to Defenders or Marvel Knights on the Netflix shows, I don't know. I was well. He's got tax bills to pay. I'm sure. Oh, so. absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if he was in Expendables three, but I mean, I, yeah, the, the man definitely has uh, has has people to pay. Um, and I was thanks to IFC. I was watching Blade two uh, last weekend when it was on while I was doing other things, and it's it's still. I, Did it hold up? Because that, I remember very fondly, and it's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah, I think I think the first two hold up better than the third. I, I oh, do for like sure. the third. I you know I I meant two specifically. If yes, no, I think up. I think it does because I mean it's Daryl Dixon has aged well. I think Norman Reedus has has definitely improved with age because he's he's still. Um, I mean the dude. Forever looks greasy, but it 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 fits depending on the character he's playing. Um, but you had you know Scud was in this, Wessler came back, um, but I thought that uh, the big bad looked amazing. And yeah, I think the the eff- I mean some of some of the effects with, with with Blade jumping around, especially when when he's fighting the uh, the princess near the lights. The animation was. Kind of like Neo in in the second Matrix movie where he was fighting Agent Smith and, and it, it just looked um, a little cartoony because it was choppy. But uh, you know, Ron Perlman. Yes, I I think I think and, and granted, I I saw the broke for commercials. It's IFC, so they they cuss and all that. But it's uh, it was still there were uh, there were moments where you wanted it to keep going, but they break for commercial. But I, I do think it's, um, I do think it held up. Awesome. And I only saw a couple episodes of the show. The, the TV show really didn't do much for me, but again, it was on, it was on TNT or spike or whatever the hell it was at the time. It just, it, I wasn't really feeling the show. It, 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 the show felt low budget to me after, after those movies. But, um, and it was the uh, the dude from Onyx, right? It was, yeah, it was not it yeah. was not Sticky Fingers. Was it Fredro? Yeah, but it was. Yeah, it definitely was. It only lasted a season, or if it did, but it, it's you know the, the the show was what it was. But then we got the um, the Guggenheim and uh, Shaken Blade comic, which I know between us, I liked it. <laughs> but it's it's a uh, but yeah, I mean, to see Blade kind of coming back I, I i think is cool he's he's a character that uh you don't you don't want him played out but i think uh i think every so often he should be reintroduced or have people reminded that 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 he is around and, and there may not be vampires coming out the ass in a marvel book but he's still a um i think he still has a contribution to make so i i'm 
I'm happy to mm-hmm. see that. By the way, D- D- David, there's something about the there's some cosmic uh, uh, fascination with you bringing up uh, a series featuring one of the guys from Onyx because you, for our listeners who don't know you well, you are a uh, almost manic stickler for proper grammar and spelling, and in, in much in, in as much as the fact it drives you nuts that the, the current uh, text generation uh, and the, uh, <laughs> the desire to abbreviate things like you and do the letter U and all that sort of thing. And and I, I it just as I'm thinking back about Onyx and they really had uh, you know the, the slam was their big hit, but yeah. but uh, but but their album their 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 big album was was back to fuck up. And yep. It was B A C D A F U C U P and and like almost all the songs had crazy misspellings like uh stick and move was s t i k uh apostrophe and apostrophe m u v e uh just yep um there there was uh there was the ever the ever um popular uh black vagina finder which was a b l a c they spelled vagina right and then find a f i n d a. Um, there, uh, there was uh, there was bitches bootleggers, which was a b i c h a s b o o t l e g u z. And of course, who could ever forget uh, get the fuck out, which was all one word g e t d a f u c o u t. So they were trailblazers. Yeah, I mean, this was back in. Uh, 1993, long yeah. before there was there was text language, so they were they were they were setting the tone, man. Fredro Starb, he was he was a he he was a uh, a, a, a legend of of multimedia. But at least they didn't have any numbers in their song titles, their track titles. They, I'm I'm in this regard, I'm I'm kind of okay with the with the just because um, even in Messenger, you know, we'll we'll all we'll. Short oh yeah! Words, you, throw the apostrophe up there. We'll have a great. I mean, I won't. I and and with the minion, I'll do the. You know why you do this in, in instant messenger just to to get a laugh out of them. But it, it's if you're if, if you're going to only use letters in place of words and numbers uh, in in your track titles, you, you really should be Prince. I, I don't I don't think anybody else can really kind of pull that off. Right. Uh, I think one of the final things I, I saw was. Um, because I did enjoy what I've read so far, because I still have a lot of the tie-ins to read. Uh, there are going to be uh, convergence spinoffs, and um, ah, I, mi- I missed that. Cool. Yeah, there's a uh, there's going to be spinning out of the events from Convergence, including Superman, Lois, and Clark, a book featuring the pre-Flashpoint versions of Superman and Lois, which of course, um, and and Lois had given birth in this. In this title, because they were in the dome for a year, Superman didn't have power, so he can get all up in them guts. And, and now their their um, their son is nine years all old. Up in them giblets, all up in them giblets. Uh, so Jonathan is nine. Um, that comes out actually this year. That comes out in October. Still written by Jurgens, art by Lee Weeks, and there's Telos, which okay. So so far, I'm definitely reading Ooh. one that's written by uh, Convergence writer Jeff King. Drawn by uh, Pagulian and Jason Paz, uh, and then there is Titans Hunt, which seemingly will restore the original Teen Titans characters to the New Fifty Two continuity, or are they from the pre-Flashpoint DCU? It's not entirely clear, 
But that is definitely Donna Troy, Lilith, Aqualad, and other classic Teen Titans not seen since the New 52 began. And this is by uh, Dan Abnett and Paolo Sequeria. So, How do you feel about that? Um, well, first of all, I am... Uh, it's it's no secret that I am a a Titans fan, specifically the Wolfman Perez era Titans. Uh, Titans Hunt is a if you are a Teen Titans fan, I think you would enjoy Titans Hunt in its original the original story that that was uh, written by Wolfman and um, primarily penciled by Tom Grummet, inks by Alve. That. That was I enjoyed that a lot, really, until we kind of got to the reveal, and then it went on too damn long, and it introduced um, the team Titans, which were the Titans from the future, and it just got all sorts of confusing. But the mystery of it at the beginning, I really, really enjoyed, and it brought me back to the Titans because I was away for a while. Then it it included Deathstroke, and he had to get to the bottom of it, and and he, he brings back old Titans that you know were out in Titans West, and we hadn't seen in stories in years and the wildebeest and panther who i don't remember if superboy broke her arm or leg or if he killed her during um infinite crisis but like i said the, the reveal was just i i did not like it all it was it was on par with uh with doing the big swerve and instead of it being um captain adam as the monarch they they, they made it hawk hank hall um but the reveal in Titans Hunt was was extremely weak to me. But I, I think uh, anything that will bring back the Titans from the pre-New 52 days is uh, is fine by me. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, it's, there's, a, there's a cyborg sale going on in Comixology right now, and... Uh, that that basically just means to me there's there's a sale on Teen Titans books and I, I may get some more to fill in the gaps because the only ones I you if you're going to read a Titans story it needs to be the Judas Contract so I mean th- those four issues right there the three issues from Tales of Teen Titans and the annual those are must haves so you, you got to get those then you can go back and pick and choose whatever other books you want. Yeah, there's there's pretty much every every Titans series. There are a bunch of a bunch of books on sale at Comicsology, and and uh, yeah, I just I'm I'm in a Titans mood right now. I might I might do some rereading on some of those older issues, and because it's summer, and and I like rereading things that uh, that I dug way back when. So it's a nice little. Uh, it's neat to read about a new Titans book and and thinking and knowing that there's a sale and, and, and thinking about the old story. So, yeah, I mean, there, there were some, uh, I, I really liked the, uh, the news. I liked the announcements from, from this year, San Diego, basically what I'm saying. Excellent. You know, there was one other thing that, uh, I realized I, I shouldn't have introduced myself as Alton Brown this week. Uh, if I was really thinking about the upcoming week, I should have introduced myself as Corey Stoll. Yes, because he is the star of of a show that we both were were anxiously anticipating a return of, which happened this past week, and he is the uh, the lead villain in the equally anticipated for us 
um, Ant-Man movie that comes out this weekend. Yes. So for those that don't know, Corey is um, he is the he plays Yellow Jacket in Ant-Man uh, as a villain. Uh, at least I presume he's a villain, and um, and he is also uh, uh, Ephraim uh, on the strain. Uh, the the uh, I guess one of the protagonists, but arguably the protagonist. I guess we'll see. As yeah. The, Series keeps going, but definitely one of the one of the lead heroes. And he was, uh, guess, he was, he's not, he was he's a representative of uh, um, House of Cards. Yes, yes. From Pennsylvania. Representative from Pennsylvania. Yep. The the alcoholic representative from Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One got a little bit too close to uh, Frank Underwood. Uh, you said you're going to see it sometime this weekend, right, Ant Man? I I am. I think we're going to see it. On Saturday, um, all things going. My my lovely wife is going away for the weekend, so it's a uh, it's Daddy weekend, which means uh, eating out a lot, buying them things that my wife will be mad at me for buying them, and uh, going to see the the best movie available to us, which is uh, certainly going to be Ant Man this weekend for sure. And uh, it's funny because Corey, I think. Look, I'm. I'm. Uh, you and I are in the, in the same boat. We we have uh, our our days of being fully quaffed are long gone, and uh, and Corey's in that boat too. He's he's <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. he's he's pushing forty. He's a handsome dude. I think he's a good looking dude. I but but uh, you know, kind of a tough looking guy. But but I think he looks infinitely better when he's got a shaved head than he oh, does as Ephraim in yeah. the strain. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, in fact, he looks like a totally different person. I wouldn't be at all. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold it against anyone listening to the show that didn't realize that uh, the same guy from House of Cards and Ant Man is also the star of the strain. But but that said, I mean, I, I think he is the current famous representation of why uh, it's better for uh, folks like us to keep it high and tight Hide. because yeah. it just looks better. And I'm speaking from personal experience. It's just when I got my my buzz on, I look better, I feel better than I do when I'm I'm letting it grow out. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. The only there's uh, uh, I recently a couple weeks ago I went as close as I probably ever have. You did. It looked good. Uh, I like it, and 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 Renee likes it, so that's that's definitely a, a plus. I, the only person who's really having trouble with it is a coworker, and uh, and and it's just he he's like I, I missed the wave. I'm like I I don't. It's it. Bordering on on sad. I'm a, I just I don't need to hold on to something that's not working for me. So later it it, but I I like it. I may go a little little closer next time, but it's um and I'll be I'll be due soon because my my hair seems to like to grow back quickly. But um yeah, I I think and it's the summer, man. You just you don't need a lot or long hair. I don't think, but uh yeah, Corey should definitely. And I think maybe it also kind of depends on the character. I don't think I'd be able to. F would, Ephraim would definitely not be the same guy with a shaved head. He's just the character comes across as somebody who, um, he's he's not vain, but you know, knowing he's playing somebody who isn't for the good in Ant Man, and he was somebody who was trying to do good. Uh, but stumbled in House of Cards. It just he he seems to be just a character who 
it, the hair may not look good on him in the strain, but I, I think his character kind kind of needs it. He, I'd expect him to be, I'd expect him to be a little bit of a badass with, with a shaved head, and he does not come across that way. Yeah. Can we? Uh, are we? Are you cool with going into a little bit of spoilers, or do you want to hold off? No, we. No, we. We. It, it's. It. it uh, the second season started Sunday, uh, so I mean, we uh, we both watched it. We will. Um, we can let people know that there will be spoilers for the next bunch of minutes. But uh, I'm 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 cool with talking about the episode. Cool. Um, one of the things I've been dying to talk to you about about this episode is that. Um, they gave us in this episode the backstory to the master by showing a um, showing the backstory of 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 uh, of uh, how he was a, a nobleman in the town where um, what's our what's our boy's name uh, uh, what's oh the, uh, the, um we get backstory where Satrakian is a boy living with his grandmother and she's telling him a story at dinner time about uh, the master who was a uh, a nobleman who was beloved in the town but he suffered from giantism and uh, much like Andre the Giant or anyone else that you know with giantism he was massive and, and had physical issues with it because of it. You know, he, he walked with a cane and had a, had a gate to his walk and was hunched over and that sort of thing. But he was very nice and, and beloved in the town. And so they get into that backstory of how he essentially was an embarrassment to his family. So they arrange for a quote unquote hunting trip out into the woods to, um, to hunt a, 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 a wolf. Uh, but, but it's secretly a, a, an opportunity for, his family to try and get him killed while they're out there because they, they're embarrassed by him. But, but in, in essence, it's, it leads to them being attacked by a very old vampire who, uh, ends up taking possession of the, of, 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 uh, of, of the giant's body. And, and because of how large he is and he then becomes the master as we're introduced to him. Two things about that one. Um, that is how the first book starts. Okay. And so having read the book after we started watching the show and read the comic, I thought last year – I was disappointed that they didn't give that backstory last year because I thought it was cool to set that up to make it clear that Satrakian's connection to this world went back to even his boyhood, that, that it, it wasn't just from when he was in the Nazi internment camp, but it was before that. Um, so it's interesting to me that they decided to do that, that intro to the first book in the start of the second season. Uh, particularly when um, uh, it looks like the master is about to have to leave that body. So maybe that's why they opted to do it this way, because they're setting up that the master can transfer bodies. Um, that, that's So that's number one. But number two, you know, excuse me, it's not uncommon for when something is adapted to a new medium for them to make certain uh, editorial choices. Certainly in Game of Thrones is an example. They combine a great many characters in the books into into singular characters just to, to streamline the storytelling. And for the most part, I think it makes sense. But in, in the TV show history of the master, uh, they, they have it be his brother who is embarrassed by him and 
takes them on this hunting expedition. And I have no issue with that, but I found it interesting because in the book, it's his father who's embarrassed by him. And I guess I just would love to know why they bother changing that. Like, what? It's such a seemingly insignificant component to the story. Why make it his brother that's embarrassed about him and not his father? It just seemed like a very arbitrary thing to change to me. I I've been thinking about it after you said that, and and I'm I mentioned that the brother looks old enough to kind of be a father, but it, it's I'm wondering if maybe when the prologue was uh, was directed by Del Toro, who was one of the people who brought it to TV. Uh, and he did he, he co-wrote or he was part of the novels, right? He uh, he co-wrote it. Okay. Maybe he originally was the father when they were filming and FX made the change. I, I don't know why the change, why, why it happened. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if maybe they kind of already feel they have... I don't think they're... Well, Gus's brother's dead, but they don't really have any... Uh, siblings on the show, or any um, friction or interaction with siblings. Because I mean, F has has his son, and that's that's kind of basically it. There, I, I think maybe they just didn't want to have another father son moment where this time uh, the father is not thrilled. Which of course make, makes no sense. It's still it whether. It, it's a shitty situation, whether it's the father or the brother. But also, though they 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 in retelling the story, um, Strachan's Bubba uh, mentions that the brother brother looked down on Sardo, but he um, he also wanted him better and and wanted what was best for him. So doing this hunt, uh, the, the blood would hopefully cure. Sardo and and uh, and that just that seems to me more like a brotherly kind of thing than a fatherly uh, action. I fathers tend to not when, once you're born, you know, when 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 you're a piece of shit dad and, and you don't care about your children, uh, and 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 you disown them because for whatever dumbass reason, um, mm-hmm. you're pretty much done with them, and and you don't look for things that could probably make them better or or whole. Um, but a brother would, a brother would have your back regard. I mean, you know, you may, you may be pissed at your brother. You may hate him for something he's done, but you still love your brother. You still want what's best for him. I did not get the impression that, that these two brothers, um, had any, uh, ill will towards one another. He wasn't thrilled with, he, he felt, he thought his brother was less of a man because of his ailment, but he still was wishing for the best. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that is the difference because it definitely in the books, the father's trying to get Sardu killed. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was, it, yeah. Yeah. And in, in the books, see, they, the father is embarrassed by him and wants him to die out there. So, um, yeah. Well, it makes sense then. You might've just closed the loop for me, dad. Okay. Happy to help. Word up. Um, I also like that it was shown at the beginning of the second season because, the master's face was primarily in shadows for every episode until the last one, maybe two. And if we had seen Sardo earlier or seen him turn from after the, 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 uh, the ancient one chowed down on him, that right. may have 
they may have lessened the impact of seeing this tall monstrosity. I mean, yeah, we saw how tall he was when when the crate opened, when when the coffin opened in the um, at, at the airport in the first episode. Um, but all, he was still in shadows, and and I mean, we got the impression it was he was a tall individual, but we had no idea what he would look like, and and uh, it was definitely startling to see him without without the hood and um and had we seen him human or um just turned it would not have uh i don't, I don't think the impact would have been the same so i, I I'm, I'm glad they waited um when i'm reading a story i, I kind of like the things happen in a certain timeline where you don't always have to i'm not always a fan of the flashbacks depending on the type of story or, or the story being told but Visually, I'm glad they they held off on the origin until until this episode. Cool, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I um I, I'm definitely there's some interesting things afoot, and they've done a nice job of adapting the the books. The the uh, I, I don't think there's too many ex- examples of things where I've read the books, read the comics, and watched the show. And I I think pretty much so far, at least they've. Each medium was done well. I don't. I I think everything has been done equally well, and and with given the nature of each, the the, the level of what they're abridging is is different. But but no, I I thought it was a strong start to the second uh, season. This is one of those series I have no idea what whether it gets good ratings or if it's if it's well loved or not. But I'm I'm definitely happy we're we're getting this season, and I hope it's good enough because. Because they went through basically the first book in the first season, pretty, okay. pretty, pretty, pretty faithfully. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we at least get a third season out of it, so we can get through the bulk of of the story. Where the, um, where the there's some banana stuff that happens that is totally bananas, and I, I you would never like it, assuming they stick to the books. It, what what what's coming will will be jaw on the floor because you just will never think you just will never see it coming. Wow, it's out of it's out of yeah, it's it's great. Were the audio books abridged? Uh, I, 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 anytime I'm able to, I get, uh, unabridged audiobooks. Awesome. My man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, uh, Ron Perlman is the, um, narrator for them. That is hot. Yeah. That's yeah. worth it right there. I think. So I think the first one, the first book was, I think 14 hours. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's time to see if Renee still has her, uh, audible account. Oh, sucky, sucky knee. Um, I, I, I like that it's. We're pretty much hours, days after the uh, the end of the finale from the first season. We get a quick little recap, which which was great. Um, the beginning happens kind of quickly when when Zatrakian goes down the stairs and is met with um, the ninja zombie guy who um, who speaks for three of the seven. Uh, that was interesting to me to know that there were seven, or that, that there are seven, and that. Uh, the master has the ability to cloud or hide his thoughts, so you're not you're not able to hone in on him. One thing that I was not happy about, as far as this particular episode, was the one scene we had with Gus. He shows up, and they escort the old man into the room, and they watch dinner being served, and then that's the last we see of Gus for the episode. And and I like Gus, and. I mean, plenty happened where he probably would have just been overshadowed or lost in the shuffle if he did come back in because we were, this episode was, was fantastic in that 
it reminded us that iCourse is first of all, iCourse is fantastic to watch. I, I I would just if he was the only thing on the show for an hour, I would most likely still watch. I, I, I find him fascinating. The actor who plays him is just um he's got me wrapped around I I'm, I'm riveted by he shows up and he just starts talking and he is such he is so fucking condescending and, and <laughs> it's just it's it's per I, I would think he'd be a Jew. It, it's very hard for me to believe that that this man was a Nazi, but I, I, I love watching him. His interaction with basically the guy who was who was trying to survive throughout the first season, either with the hookup from the master or uh to live again. Uh seeing he and I course together in a scene and and uh and then what happened with with these children from from the, the the school of the blind? It was, it was it was an extremely graphic and at times hard to watch episode. But it all it didn't feel like it was gratuitous to me or over the top. It it all fit within within the parameters that the story is going for. I, I I had no problem with with anything they did on the show. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Some things you you see coming from a mile away. Um, Zach wants mom back, and and of all the people to basically give them free reign over their existence right now, even though they're Stragoys, is Zach's mom and and Ephraim's ex wife, and I'm sure that'll end well for everybody as, as that plays out. But I I. I I had no problem with the ex-wife last season, so it's seeing her in this shape um, might be tough to take. But I, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. See, I'm anxious to see where, where they're going with her character and and, and how she'll interact with, uh, with everybody else. But you know, the the hacker from the first season who brought the internet down, she was there. She, she didn't do much, but she was there. And and of course, the the rat catcher who who. I think is awesome. So it's it's a really good group of people, and uh, I'm glad the show's back. And it's weird for me to see it back in July, in the summer, when the first season started. I think in October, just in time for Thanksgiving, uh, for for Halloween, and it ended in the winter. And and here we're starting in summer, and, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a summer show, but I'm. I'm glad it's back and I get to watch it now because there wasn't, there's not really a whole hell of a lot to watch during the summer. So I don't know if this means we're still only getting 10 or 12 or 13 episodes, but whatever we get, uh, I'll be happy to see it. But it, it's, it's weird seeing a show like this in the summer. No question about it. Yeah. So the question our audience is probably wondering an hour and a half in is, did we read any comics this week? <laughs> For those of you still with us. Uh, yes. Yes. I think we did. Did not get a chance to read anything that came out today. I started... Actually, that's not true. I read half of um, Secret Wars Battle World. And I had to read that because the half that I read had phenomenal art by Aaron Connolly. Aaron's been posting snippets here and there on Facebook of a bunch of just Wolverines. And, and, uh, and that's what this story is, basically. A whole bunch of Wolverines from different multiverses are... Um, are basically, it's a free-for-all. And, and if anybody's going to draw this story, Conley nailed it. And, and it was written by uh, it's written by Ivan Brandon. It is a, 
I'm not going to call it a senseless story as far as the violence or, or just, you know, how, how deep it gets uh, in the few pages the story is. But if, if you like great art, you'll love the story. And, and if you're a Wolverine fan, you'll, uh, you'll love the story. And, and luckily, Jason is both a Wolverine fan and, I mean, well, he is a huge Aaron Conley fan and, and a fan of oh, yes. art. So, yeah, we, uh, this one is definitely right up your alley. And I think Aaron showed us one of the pages. He did. Time. Yeah. And it's also being colored by our boy Ryan Brown. Oh, yes. That is right. Yes. We talked about Starve last week. Were you saving uh, the new Brandon Graham book for Vince, or did you want to get into it? Um, well, I, I would like to fluff Vince up and tell him I saved it for him, but uh, it's really more that I just didn't have a chance to read it today. Oh, okay. That's so, cool. Maybe we can talk about it tomorrow. I would love to talk about it next week so that Vince doesn't know and then gushes about it the following week. That would be great. <laughs> all right. I caught up on all the Marvel Street level stuff. Really? Well, you know, last week we didn't talk about it. I read 19 issues of Punisher. Oh, that's right. I read 10 issues of Daredevil this week. And all I started back over and reread all of the Moon Knight that, that, that started uh, with once Greg Smallwood took over. Okay, so the Brian Wood written... Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, so I, it was unintentionally a Marvel Street level... That's awesome. And all, all, all right, so all, all pre-Secret War stuff. Yes. The yeah. Punisher mm-hmm. is going into Secret Wars, finishing up that series. Right. And I don't think Daredevil is, but Daredevil's definitely telling its story. And it's, it's funny, I, to save space on my iPad, I... Um, because of the Secret Wars books that came out today, I removed Moon Knight and Daredevil. But it's, I mean, I'll, I, I am up to date on on all three. So, I mean, go go for it. Daredevil has been very, very quiet, I thought, in terms of, it, it's, it's truly been a balance of, of, of Matt versus Daredevil as a hero, and when he's hearing, it's 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 just it's been a different ride, I guess, by design. It's just that to me, it's just the the the, the villains have felt um, he's almost been like a swashbuckler this time out. Like it, like the yes. villains haven't really been a challenge. It's it's like for once things are going his way in the aggregate, and and I know that some things got blown up sort of in the last few months, but. But it doesn't, it, you know. Whereas in the past, it was like when something went wrong with Daredevil, it was it was heavy. like, how could any human being ever recover from this? Right. And and now it's it's more like a okay, well, I'm just going to deal with this challenge too, and and we'll get past it. I um, I definitely think the locale. Absolutely, yeah. Like that. I mean, so in the stuff that I caught up on, we we had the whole Purple Man Kids arc. Yeah, that and, I've been dying. To to for someone else to read because that okay that freaked me to hell out. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, just it was setting it up for for folks. Daredevil. If you're not reading it, there Wade Insomni's Daredevil run has been essentially Daredevil moved to he moved to San Francisco. He he started a new law firm with his girlfriend. Um, Foggy is dead, as far as most of the world knows, but he's actually not dead. He's also skinny because he went through cancer treatment and chemo. But he's in hiding. He's hanging out with them, but but the world thinks he's dead. Right. Um, Matt is totally out as Daredevil. 
more than we've probably ever seen any hero in the Marvel universe. Um, he, he's complete. He's he's so out in fact that that he now shows up to court wearing an all red uh, Daredevil esque suit and uh, and doesn't doesn't wear a mask when he's out crime fighting. Yep. So I mean, he's fully embraced the the new uh, one in future. He's also his girlfriend. Is it Kristen? Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Kristen's dad happens to be a mega rich publisher. And he has talked Matt into writing uh, his bio- his autobiography and offered him an eight million dollar advance to do so. So Foggy's been yeah, he's writing been. Matt's biography for him. And uh, so so, but just jumping back, so so in in one of the arcs, um, the Purple Man who is got purple skin and he can essentially get anybody to do anything by just telling them to do it. Uh, he has got as. He has often been portrayed as someone who sleeps with many, many women because essentially he can, in essence, sexually assault a woman by just saying, sleep with me. And they do sleep with him in their minds willingly. And then, of course, when it wears off, they realize that they were violated. So um, Wade intelligently makes it such that he has lots of illegitimate kids, which would make sense because I'm sure he doesn't concern himself with birth control since he could just tell the women that to not remember ever having slept with him. But a bunch of his kids are, are 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 mutants getting together right they're getting together in the vein of like a children of the corn and when they're in proximity with one another their skin changes purple and they have a magnified version of his power but because they're kids and they don't have the emotional maturity of an adult uh it's very visceral so it's 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 almost like an, em- an empathic type of thing where when they're when they're exhibiting anger, everyone around them gets angry. When they're exhibiting fear, everyone around them gets scared. So, so uh, they essentially take out their dad, um, or at least try to, and uh, then go about a, a bit of a of a immature crime spree. And um, I, I just found it very interesting because it's not a new conceit to have offspring of, of villains. In fact, Wade uses that conceit again in the next arc, but. Uh, but I thought it was well done and, and definitely got that children of the corn vibe, which always was an effective trope for me in terms of, uh, you know, creating some measure of fear. So, uh, I, I, I dug it. I, I dug it a lot. I, I, it was interesting to see, um, the choices that Somni made in portraying the kids. I loved that the kids had normal skin when they were away from each other, yeah. uh, and then only got purple when they were around each other. So. Um, but, but creepy, but, 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 and before you jump into it, but, but I think between that and then the next arc is the shroud, uh, combined with the owl. And then we meet the owl's daughter who has some kind of exoskeleton type of thing. She looks an awful lot like boomerang to me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, or like the, the Thunderbolts version of the beetle Mach four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mach five. What is it? Mach five, Mach five, whatever it was. Um, but uh, but but yeah so 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 um, but but in all through all of this I, I never got the sense that like Matt was in mortal danger it just seemed like this he was above all this he was kind of just handling it really well so uh, but but yeah so you said you were you were you were clamoring to talk to somebody about this so so it's, what's what's up no it's um you're right it, it it is quiet it is it's but it's because it's I think part of that is is due to it being the antithesis of the Daredevil show that we've all just been raving about. It's it's weird that, you know, hey, if you love the Daredevil show, 
is an ongoing Daredevil book right now, which is nothing like the show you just watched. But it's that doesn't mean that there aren't Daredevil stories out there like it. It 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 has been very low key. It's um, like like Beast of Burden earlier. It's it's those that have been reading it have been enjoying it. It's just you're not hearing a lot about it, and that's that that's a bit of a bummer. But it's still. You know, maybe a couple of people will now try it after we talk about it tonight. But it's this, this, this art, this, this volume, this run. Now that uh, at the end of the last run that Wade wrote and and Somni did, uh, Somni picked up the art chores after um, uh, Martin and uh, Rivera did their few issues and. It was primarily Wade and Somni for the most part. But when that ser- that series ended. When Matt was pretty much outed, prohibited from uh, practicing law in New York, and uh, and of course Foggy died from cancer, so he decided to pick up. I guess he, his his license was still valid in San Francisco from when he was there years ago, uh, and he and Miss um, McDuffie and that, that I I love the fact that Wade named the character after after Dwayne, but the uh, the they're now out west, and it it's been very lighthearted compared to well compared to Daredevil in the past, but other Marvel titles right now. And I mean, it looks great because it's Somni. I mean, he he is Chris. There are there are pages that I'll turn to, and and I'm just thinking that Chris was born to draw Daredevil. It just it it looks perfect in in his hands. It it's it's a nice mesh between. The Mass Kelly and and the Ramita Senior and and some wood. It's just it's there's, but it's still Somni. You can still tell it's that. So he he's got his own stamp on it. And right now with with Matt in the three piece red suit and tie, it's um, it's a different look. Daredevil. He buzzed his hair down, uh, but yeah, he he has he's he's basically living life. And and it, it it's almost like he's infallible and and. You know, when when you're that cocky, uh, you as a reader, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Something bad is going to happen. He's going to lose, and he may not lose, but he'll lose somebody. And 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 whether that's that's Kristen or whether it's it's Foggy for real, I, I don't know. I don't know what's what's planned for Daredevil. I I don't know if they've announced the all new, all different Daredevil post Secret Wars. I don't know what's going to happen with the character. When Secret Wars is done, he, there are variations on Matt Murdock, uh, whether it's spelled with a CK or a CH, that have appeared in Secret Wars. But this run, in particular, has uh, has been a lot of fun. It, the Shroud showed up early on in the run, and then has kind of uh, disappeared for a while, or went to the shadows until recently. Because judging by the covers, you would have thought that the person responsible for wreaking havoc on Matt's life was the owl. Basically, the owl may only be a puppet. What the Shroud was trying to do early on in this run, uh, he hasn't forgotten about or, or has let let go of. So that that's a nice throwback to, to earlier in the run. The The Purple Man story was, was tricky as hell, especially if you've read Alias and, and you're familiar with the Purple Man from that from those issues, um, Purple Man is really one of the the worst characters in in 
in Marvel Comics. It, it, wait, wait, you mean worst as in a human being? Yes, or you mean, you yes. Know? No, oh, not okay. as in that. Not as in like, oh, I could do without this character. No, I mean he is. Because I, I like him as a character. I, I think he's, yes. he's he's capable of, of of some pretty interesting stories. In fact, I know you weren't a hundred percent in love with Alias when you finally read it, but but I I. I can never not think of the Purple Man and tie it back to Miss Marvel to, and, to, and to her from Alias yeah, because no, and, and I'm I don't maybe you know this but I I'm hoping that uh, he's one of the if not the villains in the uh, Jessica Jones TV show. Well, I can I could tell you he definitely is. He, he okay cool he, yeah no Kilgrave Purple Man is in AKA Jessica Jones, uh, and. He is. You want me to tell you who the actor who plays him? Yeah, please. David Tennant. Really? Yes. He looks. Now that doesn't mean much to me. I mean, I know who he is, but not being a Who fan, but but uh, but that's cool. Yeah. No, that that, I can see. I mean, visually, that that makes sense to me. It works. I mean, I've seen stills where you know he's just like walking uh, onto the set and his. His drench, his uh, his overcoat, his his suit is purple, and I mean it. It, yeah, I, I I think it'll be neat. But yeah, no, he'll he he'll definitely be there. But no, yeah, I mean as far as as just a, a horrendous individual and 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 a person with no no standards whatsoever, because he can do. I, I think Bendis did a fantastic job with the character in Alias because he he would be a piece of shit, and and it's you know what he can do and get away with, and to just do what he did and and now you know obviously he has children it was nice to see them exact some revenge uh whether it was law lasting or not but it it's um you know he he deserved what was coming to him and that arc was just was just well done i i i don't think it went on too long i think it was it it, it was a well told told arc it wasn't necessarily a daredevil story as much as it was a a purple man story but it 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 worked in in the setting and then there was the uh was it the stunt master not the stunt man but yeah the stunt master i think and yeah Mm -hmm. that was uh that was the other arc yeah that was i think a two-parter where it uh another character that that wade kind of just pulled out of mothballs and again though it just things weren't what they seemed like Jason said, we were introduced to Kristen's father and uh, the reason why he invited them to lunch and, and uh, that's an interesting take on things and, and to see Matt kind of just put everything out there and um, I don't know if I don't know if the autobiography of Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil, would be interesting reading. I, I hopefully Foggy can spruce it up a bit but if matt writes the way it, if if matt writes the way he talks or, or the way he carries himself i that that would probably be a little dry to me i don't because because matt is not a uh he just seems kind of dry in, in 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 his delivery and the way he, he talks to people and i don't i'm it, it's it, it's weird that Wade has me thinking about a fictional character's fictional mm-hmm. autobiography, but it's um, for reals. Yeah, but it, it's after Stuntmaster. Yeah, we were introduced to to the family, extended family, and and uh, now we're kind of like ramping up to to the big finale for this run, and and the person who Daredevil, who, who the devil decides to make a deal with, 
is somewhat expected, but it was still a pretty, pretty heavy moment. And uh, Matt has definitely changed since he's been out in San Francisco and since he's he's let it all hang out and and just you know there's he's not hiding he's not hiding behind a mask he's not hiding in the shadows he's 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 in your face you can't miss him it's very easy to find and he uh because of what is going on and what could happen to uh to the people that are close to him uh he's his patience is wearing very thin and he has a conversation with someone and the conversation is interrupted and his reaction to upon I mean it, it it was all a ploy because he was trying to get information but his reaction to um to the interruption was a bit extreme and 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 uh, well at least as far as Daredevil goes it all worked out in the setting that it was told in but uh Wade is definitely leaving his mark on the character and and it's I think, you know, Wade's Daredevil will likely be up there with with Miller's, with Witnessenti's, um and and I think that uh just when you look back at really good Daredevil stories that uh Wade's will definitely be recommended. For sure, for sure. You know and and, and just uh, before we jump off to something else, I have to say that uh, as cool as it was to see Wade come up with some illegitimate offspring of the Purple Man, uh, shout out to uh, Mr. Bill Mantlo for creating the ultimate uh, uh, Purple Man offspring in uh, oh, AKA Kara Kilgrave, AKA Alpha Persuasion. Yes. That was Alpha, right? Okay. Yeah, she, well, she was in beta flight for a while and then she got brought up to the main roster. But yeah, I mean, that, that was one, I mean, I, you know, off of like my, my shti and, yeah. uh, and, and she, I, I, I had a, a real affinity for, for the beta flight, the younger characters like her and goblin and, and, uh, and the like. And, um, and, and it's, it's interesting because she, she hasn't been seen much in recent years, no. but, um, but she actually was one of the few mutants that, that, um, kept her powers after M day. She was one of the one ninety eight. Oh, okay. So I'd, I'd like to see her. I'd, I'd be, I think it'd be fun to have her back uh, in some capacity. Was her um, was her first appearance the Jim Lee issues? Or did he just get to draw her later on? No, uh, her first appearance was uh, drawn by David Ross. Wow, okay. Going way back. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, 1986. Okay. Wow. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. The first run of Alpha Flight, but after Burn left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, after Burn. yeah. Mm-hmm. oh, it was that early? Yeah. Okay. Well, again, she was in the background. She was part of Beta Flight, just right. the, the, the kind of the young crew in training. And then, uh, you know, and it was like her and Goblin, and uh, there was a Pathway, and uh, who else? Uh, Witchfire. So, yeah, there were a bunch. It was awesome. Do you want to get into Punisher or Moon Knight? Uh, sure. I, you know, but I mean, Punisher, I essentially read the whole series. I, I only read that first issue. Um, and you are, you already touched on Mitch Jarrod's art. Uh, I think he's, he's a perfect artist for this series. It really does suit him perfectly. 
Um, and, you know, when we were at Heroes, Mitch's contribution to the art auction was a pretty kick-ass yeah, it was extremely Punisher kick-ass. commission uh, that I bid on for a little bit, but it got, it got past me, as most things did. Um, but he was wearing his skull mask, uh, and, and you, you had remarked that you would have been more into the commission if, if it was without the mask. And I didn't realize at the time, because I hadn't read most of this, that, uh, that he wears the mask in uh, quite a bit in, in this series. I mean, it's like fairly common for him to be wearing the mask. So I guess it, it, in that context, it makes more sense to me now that, that he has the mask, okay. I guess. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think for me, um, I don't think I like the Punisher as much when he's fighting outside of, like, the Magia. Like, I, I, I seemingly have always liked the Punisher more when he is taking out mobsters. Right. And... You know, in this, he, he goes a little far afield of that and um, goes down to South America and all that sort of stuff and deals with crossbones and, and a bunch of things. So, so I, um, again, I read 19 issues in a week, so it went quickly. I have definitely no major qualms with it, but I, I don't think I will view this as one of my favorite Punisher runs, um, at, you know, out of the many, I, I've read. I feel like I've read most, if not all, of his runs, and I, I don't. I, I think I will hold others more fondly um, than, than this one. It just wasn't. I don't know. It it, it just wasn't as uh, over the top, I guess, as I want my Punisher to be. Okay. Um, he was a little too mortal for me in this, well, especially uh, when he's taking. Which he's probably one of the. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was yeah, it. Was an interesting choice to have him up against Electro. Yeah. Um, but, but a little, you know, again, kind of a, a strange fit. Um, so yeah, so, so I guess I, I dug it, but I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed catching up on Daredevil. Um, and, and to be fair, I've never been a Crossbones fan. I, I don't know why, um, but I've never found him to be a very compelling villain. Oh, you're going to love Civil War big, What's that? You're going to love Civil yeah, War. Yeah, well, exactly. The, but, but Punisher is another book where they... I think I don't want to say his comfort zone. They took him out of the fans' comfort zone for the character because he was another one who went out west and and he was you know kicking ass in in California. And for some reason, it just like felt that a bunch of New York based Marvel characters were just heading out to CA. And and it uh, he didn't he, nece- he didn't necessarily stay there because shortly after the first arc, he's down in Mexico. Um, with, like you said, Crossbones. And then uh, did you read the Black Widow issue of that crossover? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I, I I dig the whole, this character's book is from his point of view, this character's book is from her right. point of view, and, and you know, and then you see where they end up meeting. I, I like that. And, and I thought that they both told um, enough of a story on their own where you didn't, you could have read just one and and been fine uh there was there was that and then the um the Allen commandos uh were back and frank got to the bottom of things uh and then the and last to be clear these were not your mom and dad's Allen commandos oh yes correct yeah 
And these are essentially a black ops Delta Force type of team that's totally off the books. And I've been tasked with taking out Frank and yeah. uh, at, at any and all costs. And there's a, a – it was nice to see that team comprised of a – of of not just men but also a very a very capable woman. Yes. And in fact, one of the things I will say about this series is is that uh, women are front and center throughout it in terms of both Frank's um, not just allies but his his nemeses. Yeah. And in particular, I think probably the strongest for me the strongest part of this run was the character arc of the LA based woman that I guess I don't know if we should spoil but but that yeah, she has being, her ups and downs. Yeah, ends up being a, a thorn in Frank's side, quite, quite literally. And and loots, but yeah, it's a. Yeah. Um, it was a. Uh, I read them as they were coming out, and you just read a whole bunch, so I don't know if um, if her arc made sense, or if it didn't seem so so extreme or out of left field when reading it, and the way you did, it it. I had to think back from from the earlier issues, and then um, when she was in prison and how she ended up the way she did, it it didn't. Uh, well, it didn't sing so true to me. But it probably does make sense based on based on her story. It probably makes more sense when you do read them. Back to back to back. Yeah, it made sense to me. Okay. So that's yeah. I it's one. I mean, I didn't want to see her change, but it it's um for for the purpose of the story and and you know what what she went through, it probably made the most sense. So I, I uh, it, it, but it's also one of those things where I guess Frank isn't going to get to exact revenge. I mean, we still have an issue. So we'll see, but I, I doubt it. She may get away with the things she's done. Uh, the issue 18 or 19 that was uh, takes place moments after or during Secret Wars number one. In Secret Wars number one, one of the things, one of the scenes we see while the heroes are um, trying to keep the incursion at bay, uh, Frank walks into a bar where um, a bunch of his old, in air quotes, friends are hanging out, like Bullseye, like Kingpin, folks like that. The uh, And and they're all hanging out and, and watching the world burn. Frank figures it's the best time to just tie up some loose ends. And then the issue of Punisher happens with him leaving that bar and, uh, and the Howling Commandos confronting him and, and uh, saying they have a job for him. So it's it's a Secret Wars tie in that regard, but only for the first page. And, and then it becomes a regular Punisher story that you've been reading for the past 18 issues, and, and uh, which I had no problem with. And uh, I know Vince had a few issues with, with some of Mitch's artistic choices in in the recent issue with the... Uh, with the the car on fire and and the effects from Photoshop and and uh, some of the more staticky images, but I mean, as far as telling the story from the beginning of the issue to the end, I, I didn't really have a uh, a problem with the way Mitch told the story. But you know, there there 
I'm thinking that you'll like the end of this title, the end of this run, more than you like the beginning because it, it seems that Frank is more is is back to facing more mortal threats than uh, than supervillains. I, I, yeah, and I don't necessarily mind him taking on supervillains, but I guess I just think that uh, Frank is. Um, He's a killer, you know? Oh, yes. I mean, it is what he is. So it makes him different. And uh, he does plenty of killing in this series. I don't want miscon- people to misconstrue that. I mean, he in fact, he, he's pretty much a nonstop killing machine. Um, but it, I, I guess if I'm thinking on it, just for me, some for some reason, the idea of him getting the best of these mobsters who are in ivory towers and feel like they're untouchable just seems more satisfying like i guess putting frank in a a combat situation just seems to muddy it a bit because yes he's a former soldier and yes he has that that ability but but uh but in war the death is just a consequence of it um it doesn't seem as uh, like rebellious or or in in need of, of of being stopped as it does when Frank's out there killing common criminals, mm. where it truly is vigilantism, and you can buy into the fact that just about everybody else in the Marvel universe would be against that and would have trouble with that. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, but and and I would say it's it's this is reading reading it all together. It's pretty neat to see Jared's level up as the game went on, as the series went on. He was quite good at the start don't get me wrong yeah but if you look at like the last issue or two compared to the first issue or two uh i think he made a very big big step forward so um you know one thing we could say about both of these books is that uh they're probably going to look just so much different coming out of secret wars right oh yes I mean, I, I wonder if they're going to use the, the, the opportunity for a deus ex machina type of thing to just reset the bar because, you know, is it is it likely that the the next guy to write Daredevil is going to want to have Matt in San Fran wearing a red suit to the court and not having a secret identity? And if the answer to that is no, then you have to deus ex machina type of thing because in the current pre-Secret Wars thing, there's no way that Matt could ever put his identity back in the bottle. Right. So they're going to have to kind of revamp that. And I guess it's, this is, this would be the time to do it since you can, you can make, you can make the new Daredevil series be just about anything you want. So what have you been reading now? Uh, One thing I read that I I kind of enjoyed because I didn't know what to expect uh, was Archie number one. And this was written, the first story was written by Mark Wade, art by Fiona Staples of Saga fame. The second story is a reprint, is a uh, is introducing Archie, uh, and that um, that's from Pep Comics number 22, written by Vic Bloom, art by Bob Mantana. And it's, it's when you read the reprint... Um, you see that uh, Wade is basically riffing on something that uh, that had come before, and and uh, the art in Archie is absolutely fantastic. I mean, we we know 
Fiona does great work. She does great work in Saga. This is not Saga. You're not, you know, getting people flying around with horns on their head or um, babies with wings or anything like that. This is these are all normal, everyday human boys and girls, and uh, they're more of a uh, realistic-ish kind of look. You're not getting the uh, Archie with the crossed hatch sideburns and the uh and the the poof hair it it looks like a, a normal teenager in high school but the story takes place a little while after Archie and Betty have split have broken up and uh we don't know why they broke up uh they um and it it, it seems like it was mutual but when one may want to talk to the other and and kind of go back to the way things were something stops either of them and and uh they don't go through with it so there are the gossipers in schools friends of archie and and betty that want to see them back together again and the school dance is coming up and and jughead is telling people listen you know it's it's not your business when when they're ready they'll either talk about it or they'll fix it you know don't worry about it sometimes shit just has to happen but then Jughead's like, you know what the hell with it? I'm I'm on the I'm I'm on the the voting committee for the dance. I'll stuff the ballot box. I'll make sure Archie and Betty both win and are uh, basically king and queen of the ball. That'll get them back together. Juggy. He uh, it it doesn't work out that way. I'm not going to say why or how, but um, Archie has to go to the dance anyway. He wasn't going to go because he wasn't going to have a date. So he was going to chill at home, but the band needed him to, uh, for the sound test sound check for, for the dance. So he shows up and he's, uh, everything's sounding, doing fine, but their guitarist, their regular guitarist won't, doesn't, doesn't show up. So they ask him to, uh, to fill in. And, and at first he's a little nervous, but he does huge success. Everybody's happy. For the most part, but the end of the story is uh, is Archie's walking down the street and he's passing a billboard uh, that basically says, you know, coming soon, another lodge development or uh, shopping mall or something to that effect. But I was just focused on Archie walking past this huge image of the Elder Lodge's face. And that's, I'm guessing, where we will be introduced to Veronica when the lodges come to town, Veronica. that's when uh, that's when Archie will see Ronnie, and I guess that's when the love triangle begins anew. But it, it's a uh, it's you know it is it strictly you know this is this is the jumping on point for uh, for fans of Archie, or if you're interested about Archie, or you thought Archie looked too cartoony, or you thought it was just silly. I mean the the the, the physics are more realistic like when someone hot walks by no one's going to be jumping up in the air with their knees going past their their ears like reggie can do or or getting all stiff and falling down and it's it's more of a um there's it's it's kevin kelly in this i i do believe he's one of the gossipers so uh yeah i mean you you pretty much have uh the um or kevin keller Kevin keller is here keller Keller, yeah. yeah you have uh there's archie there's archie's pop there's uh betty Dilton, Jughead, Kevin, uh, Reggie, Mr. Weatherby is is there for the um, 
to uh, to MC the dance. So it's a uh, it's introduces the characters, introduces the players, lets you just know where everybody stands, where we're going, and uh, and and we'll see what happens from here on out. I don't know if the following issues will have a reprint. I don't know if um, there'll be a full. 20 or so page story from here on out uh, but I thought it looked great Wade isn't one that necessarily comes to mind when I think about Archie but he uh, he's treating these characters with respect he's not uh, screwing around with things or making one of them a, a, a serial killer or a uh, an online stalker everybody everybody's familiar uh, if you've been reading Archie but uh Easily accessible. I, I, I'd recommend it. What's, what's yeah, I can't wait to read it. I, I, I think it, uh, it'll be in my, my uh, shipment. Awesome. When did, did it come out last week or this week? Uh, two weeks ago. It was no, it wasn't this week. It was either last oh, so week or the week before. Okay, so it's actually in my last shipment. I just haven't un, unwrapped okay. the, the the bags yet. Okay. I think you'll dig it. I, I don't know what 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 cover you got. And I, I mean, there were some covers that were absolutely phenomenal and. Tom over at Bergen Street Comics, he wrote a blog post where he told a story with each of the covers, and it, it's it's a fantastic read. Michelle Fife was uh, actually linked to it on Facebook. That's where I saw it, and it's it's a fantastic. Oh, read. nice! Yeah, it, it's great stuff. I'm hoping to get uh, Renee to read it because she is an Archie fan, and and I'll get uh, her take on it. But no, I. I I know some people probably had a problem with the uh, with the price point, especially with with. What was it? Four ninety nine. I think so, and and mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not a full length story. It's or it you know what if it's a double sized issue maybe it is a regular sized story, but you know you had the reprint attached to it, which I don't know how many people read this story from Pep Comics from way back in the day, but as far as a, a trip down memory lane, I thought it was pretty neat. I I'd recommend it, but you know it may not be. A story you have to get the day it comes out if uh, if if the digital price is is an issue for you. But no, I thought I said I, th- I thought it looked great, it read great, and uh, I'm, I uh, it's you don't see too many ongoing multiple issue stories featuring these characters. So um, you know if we get some continuity or some growth where they don't always look the same. That uh, they may actually age. Maybe we'll get a get to the point where they're graduating high school. It'll it'll be neat to see. And, and I know we had married life with Archie and afterlife with Archie. We've we've had some. Archie has embraced change in recent years, and and it's a great thing. But here is a uh, here's a more realisticy Archie story that's set in a setting that uh, Archie fans are familiar with. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I, what I mean, um, was it strange seeing Fiona draw Archie? Like, what I mean by that is, I'm sure it looked good because it's Fiona Staples, but did it feel just just did it feel did it fit? Is what I'm saying. Did or did it feel out of place? No, it didn't feel out of place. Cool. Because there are. Does she change her style up? I mean, is it is it essentially? From a figure layout standpoint, is it evocative of of Saga, or is it is it cleaner? Is it is it does, does she does she you know veer to the left because it's a different type of work? I don't think so. It's um, 
No, because even on the fir- very first page, when Archie, introdu- Archie introduces himself, it it looks like something that uh, you would see on a page in, in, in Saga with an alien high school. You know, because even in Saga, there are very humanistic-looking characters, like the Will, the the uh, the the Will sister. I mean, there are there are characters that that would look like they might actually fit in Archie. So, no, the the, the faces are pretty much the same. You you um you definitely get the sense that this is a a Fiona Staples drawn comic book. Some more than others. Uh, there are some panels where it, it, it isn't... It may not look just like Saga. Uh, but then there are some panels the way characters react or, or, or their facial expressions where, yeah, that's that that would look the same whether you were reading Saga or, or Archie. All right, cool. Do, do we have time for one, one other thing? Sure. All right. There's a book that... Uh, I, I know we have... It's the middle of July, so we have almost half a year left. But if this book doesn't hold on over the next six months to win my 11 O'Klosker for favorite graphic novel of the year, I don't know what will. I know that's big talk, but I haven't read something like this that I wasn't strongly anticipating, but then read it and thought, "Where? how could I have ever lived without you? Probably the last time I remember this happening was um, the Pinocchio book two years ago, where I bought it somewhat on a whim and then fell in love with it and felt the need to scream to the heavens that other people needed to I, check it out. I so this started book, reading Pinocchio not too long ago. I, I, I finally oh, nice. cracked it open and, and started reading it. boy. Yeah. There's the fact that you're still reading it after whenever you cracked it open mean you're not enjoying it? No, I, I wanted to see if I needed to put it on a shelf where I'll just get to it whenever or if I need to keep it closer so that when I have a chance, I can sit down and read it and it actually moved closer to the bed so that as soon as I have an opening, I'm going to really dig in. All right, good. This book is probably a bit higher profile than, than that book because of the publisher. It's by Dark Horse, um, and it's a reprint, actually, of a of a uh, European work from a few years ago. Um, it's uh, It's by David Rubin. And it is the hero book one. So I, I ordered this book essentially sight unseen because I loved what I saw of Rubin in the rise of Aurora West. Um, he's the artist that's he's the guy that's not Paul Pope. In other words, like you know, Paul Pope did is doing his series, and then he's writing. He's doing Paul Pope is drawing Battling Boy, and then he's alternating Battling Boy stories with Aurora West stories. In which case he's writing it, but then uh, David Rubin is drawing it. And oh. so we talked about Aurora West at the time. And uh, Rubin is a Spanish artist. And uh, he is of that camp that I would say is arguably the best type of art for me in comics. He's a definite... He's the love child, visually, he's the love child of Paul Pope and Jeff Smith. And I don't know, I mean, that's like pairing, uh, I don't know, like Giselle Bundchen with uh, Beckham or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, genetically. Like, it's like, that. that is a great combination, right? Uh-huh. So, so his artwork is just 
absolutely off the charts gorgeous. Um, and, and this is a story of uh, Heracles. Hercules, Hercules. Um, it's, it's, a, it's his interpretation uh, of, of the classic Heracles myth. Um, but it's done in such a wonderful way. This would fit, you know, you guys were kind of lamenting the direction that uh, heavy metal's gone in uh, or, or is heading in with, with Grant and, and whether they can recapture the magic. And when heavy metal is at its best and, and metal hurlant and all that sort of stuff, I think, you know, again, you think of guys like Mobius, right, and Yodorowsky. Um This from a, a storytelling standpoint and a setting standpoint fits right in with that. Um, for, for the most part, it's a, it's a interpretation of the Heracles myth that we're already familiar with. But it's intertwined visually with these really interesting choices. For example, Hercules will often be on a walkie-talkie or a cell phone talking back to the people back in his, his, his kingdom. Um, there'll be helicopters in the air uh, reporting on things. There will be uh, uh, and a buddy go on a joyride in motorcycles at one point. So, so there's these little modern touches. And then on top of it, they mess a little bit with the idea of the um, um, of there being a, a science fiction aspect to godhood. So the the book starts as as in classic Greek mythology with uh, with with Hera rushing to make sure that uh, that Eurystheus um, uh, uh, Eurystheus. You know, the, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm pretty sure I'm. Eurystheus is born uh, in, ahead of, 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 of Heracles because uh, Zeus decreed that um, whichever of them is born first would, would be the ruler uh, of the other. And so it looks like Heracles is about to be born. So Hera, because she doesn't like the fact that Zeus stepped out on her and Heracles is a, Zeus's bastard child, um, goes ahead and... Uh, and, and and intervenes such that Heracles has to basically become the uh, the servant of uh, of Eurystheus, and but but rather than just just tell us that they have they have um, it's set up in such a way where they're shown as um, uh, almost like test tube babies in this really crazy sci-fi lab, and. Hera's got these tendrils that are almost organic that come out and she can manipulate. And uh, uh, it's it just, they make some fascinating European, classic European choices in, in melding science with, with, with organics, um, biomechanical almost. It's, it's, it's really great. But again, it's all done in this Paul Popey style, very smooth, clean lines, right? Just very, I mean, you, you know, Paul Pope looks like this is a picture of Raphael Grampa with, with a little bit tighter line work. Yeah. I'm looking at um, it. Yeah. So, so, so visually it's just a knockout, right? But then, but then I am a fan in general of, of, of Greek mythology. And this is essentially that it's, 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 uh, Eurystheus makes a deal with Hera where she says, listen, I'll let you be the king, but in exchange, you have to get me Heracles's head. So it's almost a Thor Loki situation where Eurystheus is the ruler and Heracles is the, is the dutiful brother, um, and, and and he does Eurystheus bidding, 
but Eurystheus is always sending him out on these missions, so to speak, for the good of, of, of the kingdom. But in reality, he's trying to set him up to fail. He's, he's sending him out under the auspice of getting killed. But because of Heracles, and anyone that's familiar with the Twelve Labors, we know that, that Heracles per, he prevails. And, um, and that's what we're exposed to. And this, this is volume one of two. And this is him going through a number of the labors. Uh, and, you know, he, he slays the Nemean lion. He fights the Hydra. Um, he has the, uh, he fights the, uh, uh, the, uh, the boar, you know, the Arminthian boar. Um, he cleans out the stables. He fights the Snephalian birds. Uh, he takes on the Cretan bull, um, the mares of Diomedes. So, you know, he goes through all these and, and he goes through them with, with honor and with, 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 it becomes a hero. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's the most exciting, uh, vibrant, fun, effervescent, uh, interpretation of mythology I've seen in years. I mean, it, it just was a visual, it was a bright action packed sight to behold page after page. The colors are wonderful. The way that he chose to draw all the different labors is just fantastic. And I just, I was legitimately sad to get to the end and realize that it's only half of the story. And that uh, the good news is, since this this work was put out a number of years ago in Spain, so the second volume is coming out, I think, by the end of this year here in the States. So I won't have to wait that long. But man, oh man, let me tell you something. If you're at all a fan of Greek mythology, um, you have to get this book. You absolutely have to. It's 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 the most fun uh, take on mythology in years. Um, it, it it's just absolutely awesome. I I loved every page of this thing, and um, I, I just can't recommend it more. Uh, Dark Horse did a wonderful job. It's a hardcover with awesome spot varnish on the cover, um, and uh, it's it's a little bit smaller than a regular size comic. It's more. But a little bit larger than a digest size. Yeah, this says and, six by nine. Yeah, there you go. And and it's uh it's two hundred and thirty two hundred and eighty pages. So you, you you definitely get your money's worth. Um and it's just it's phenomenally well done. And it's it's a little bit naughty at places. Um uh and, and he and they, they, they do some interesting choices. Like at one point Heracles is having a fever dream where he ends up fighting a bunch of of, of Superman, like actual Superman, like DC Superman. There's an, another scene where you, you see the Justice League drawn, it, 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 you know, and, and again, I don't know if, if they're violating IP here or what. I, I don't, I don't know how that works, but but they're there. Um, uh, Diana in this is Heracles's teacher and lover. She takes his virginity, and and then when he comes to see her later on to do one of the labors. Uh, Diana is is his conduit to the Amazons, and she's drawn to look like Wonder Woman. Um, but like they're doing the nasty. <laughs> um, uh, Eurystheus is is seen like absolutely doing you know crazy things sexually to a one of his 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 concubines or whatever, and they draw this crazy like mechanical strap on dildo over him, like that, that like that he's using for her, and then. In the midst of, of, of it, Hera pops in because she's pissed because he hasn't made good on his promise and yanks the thing off and he's got this little little ding dong and he's all like trying to cover it up. It's just funny, like I like just just it it's just really very European. It in it it's very 
metal, metal hurlant. It, it's, it's just wonderful. Um, I, uh, it, it is, as, as you can imagine from my, my description of the last minute or so, it, it's an adult book. It's not something I would give to the kids. I mean, my kids love Greek mythology, but this would be inappropriate for them. But, uh, but man, oh man, this is a tour de force. This David Rubin, he's a master. He is, he is an absolute master. Um, you should see, Dap, there's a page where Diana is giving Heracles her magic lasso. Um, and, and she's telling him how you know, it can get people to tell the truth and stuff. And then she's like, it has other uses as well. I'll demonstrate. And then basically the lasso becomes like a sex aid and, and ties them up into a 69. It's crazy. It's like this bonker stuff. Uh, it's, just, ah, it's just awesome. Uh, I mean, the, the choices he makes in terms of the, the way he draws the the beasts and the way that uh, he draws some of the royalty. It's just every page is just jaw dropping. I, I can't, it, as you can hear, I can't say enough about this book. It, it's awesome. so, so good. And uh, it, it, it has to be read. And um, man, you, you just got to see the way that they, that they, uh, they draw Poseidon. It's bananas. It's bananas how he draws uh, the undersea kingdom. Um, I mean, Poseidon's never looked this nasty. He's like this this quasi. I mean, Vince would plot if he saw Poseidon. It looks like Poseidon looks more like a a, a kaiju vinyl that Vince would covet than anything else we've ever seen Poseidon draw. Like he's 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 not just an, an octopus like creature. He's got just hundreds of these gross green tentacles and this gigantic mouth and 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 six eyes and almost like an, a Martian dome that's encompassing his head that's made up of what looks to be thousands of almost fish egg type things. It's just crazy the choices they make. Um, and I thought everyone was just a home run. So David Rubin is, is the man of the hour and, and y'all just got to get this book. I'm telling you the hero book one by dark horse. You have to have to get this book. If, if you have any interest in mythology, it's just phenomenal. Sounds like if you have any sense, you will get this book. Yeah, well, and, and again, I don't, you know, it's like, is there such a thing as someone who doesn't like Paul Pope's artwork? Is there such a thing as someone who doesn't like Jeff Smith's artwork? Because if you love Paul Pope and you love Jeff Smith, I'm telling you right now, this dude's art is the amalgamation of those two. It, it's it, And it's not a, this isn't a case where I'm saying there, his art is evocative of theirs, but but on a, a lower level, it's it's like right there. It's if you overlaid it. Venn diagram of what makes those two great in the center would be Rubin's art. He's that good. Awesome. So get with this with the quickness and be prepared to hear me gushing about this again in about six months. <laughs> yes, sir. Dude, the magic lasso is, is a tool for 69ing. It's unheard of. Oh, I need this book. It's unheard of. Then I gotta get Renee to magic lasso. <laughs> I think I left one there the last time I was there. <laughs> yeah, we're using it to get stuff off the high shelves. <laughs> the uh, I'm tall, bro. I get I get stuff. Off I the know high that's why we needed oh, something oh. when you left. That's right. Oh man. Well, yeah. I think that's enough of a tease for next week. All right. Um, and maybe next week we'll. Uh, We'll talk about Russian Olive to Red King. Because we still have it. Oh my gosh, we still haven't talked about that. No. Um, oh yeah, we definitely need to do that because yeah. we should have done that already. 
Well, we did the recap, I'm then you were out, then I, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's your homework, people. If you have not, then get V to the Ad House store and pick up Russian Olive to Red King. Probably have a little bit more comic book talk next week. But for now, I will say in your travels, and this is because I read the first issue and I liked it and... I know Vince read the first issue when he made it his In Your Travels. Second issue, I believe, came out last week. I finally got to read it. It's not because it's the man's birthday, but Omega Men number two for In Your Travels. The art is... I think the art is fitting, and and, and there's a lot... There's really no wasted space. And, and the uh, the art, I want to make sure I get the name right, it's um, Barnaby Begenda, and it just looks fantastic. The writer, of course, is Tom King, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 having fun with this. I mean, I these really aren't the Omega Men that I remember that uh, were introduced back in Green Lantern, or uh, or that introduced us to Lobo, but. Uh, it's still a um you know, these these two issues have been pretty solid and uh and I'm I'm going to keep riding this wave it mm-hmm. it it's uh it it looks great and uh and I like Tom's stuff so he's he's telling a, a pretty cool story so that is what uh that's what I would recommend nice um I can get with that. Uh, let's see. In your travels. And happy birthday, Tom. Uh, by the way. He's, got, he's on a roll. He's got yeah, books man. at DC. Yeah. DC Vertigo. And, and Marvel now. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, let's see. In your travels. Read. What, what, what do I want people to read that we haven't talked about? Mm. Ah, read Where Monsters Dwell. Mm, good one. I didn't read the third uh, issue. Written yet. by Garth Ennis. Me, me neither. I'm going to read it probably after we go sign off. Um, especially with that Frank Cho <laughs> Shanna cover. Um, Where Monsters Dwell. Um, written by Garth Ennis. Drawn by Interiors by Russ Braun. Covers by Frank Cho. Uh, and uh, I believe the colorist is. Uh, uh, is it Dono? Domo? Almara? Yeah, I think so. Um, Phantom Eagle, Ken Kaufman, but he's a he's a jerk. He's a big fat jerk. Dick. And it's a it's it's a this is a sexy, funny romp of a comic that is unusual for Marvel proper. Um, it's it's a perfect example of why I think Battle World is thus far a success because they really are letting these creators do what they feel like doing without so much of a concern about how it fits into the grander narrative. So kudos to, to these guys. And like you said, we got the third issue sitting here waiting for us to, to, to read, but, uh, but I really enjoyed the first two quite a bit. And, um, it, it's one of my pleasant surprises of the, of the, of the bunch. Um, so check that out y'all. And, and don't forget our amazing, wonderful, loyal sponsor, discount comic book service, uh, where you can get the proverbial Wumba discounts 
And uh, I pulled a Vince here. I actually have the discounts handy now. Uh, I did not at the beginning of the show, but I do now. And you can get for 50% off, you can get the, the Convergent hardcovers. All of them are coming out. You can also, uh, we talk about their bundles. They have an, an incredible number of bundles this, this month. There are three different DC bundles. There's the DC Returning Series Bundle, uh, which will um, consist of 25 different issues. So for 25 issues of DC's Returning Post-Convergence Series, 44 bucks. Wow. Less than 2 bucks an issue. Then they've got a new series, series bundles. Um, I'm not sure if there's a specific reason why they segment them as they do, but... But again, they're both 50% off cover price for these bundles. Uh, not If you're more of a, of a Marvel guy, you can get the Secret Wars bundle, which is 31 Secret Wars titles, inclusive of Secret Wars number 7. Um, I've been getting that bundle every month. It's been a, a lifesaver. That is also 50% off. So for 31 comics, it'll cost you 63 bucks. It's awesomeness. Um, you've got... Uh, You've got Deadpool versus Thanos, number one, 50% off, buck ninety nine. I'm definitely intrigued by that. You've got a bunch of the uh, of the new series coming out in trade, and a, a book that I have I haven't well, that we've talked about in years, but it's nice to see. And I'm wondering if there's something to this being reprinted right now, and that is Damage Control, the complete collection. Can get the complete run of Damage Control for seventeen fifty, which uh, that was a fun, fun little little series back when they were putting it out. So I dug that a lot. For people that don't know, Damage Control is essentially a Marvel universe corporation that specializes in cleaning up after superheroes' messes. So if you ever wonder, after there's a big battle between the Fantastic Four and the Mole Man in the middle of Manhattan who cleans up the streets and fixes them, who fixes all the storefronts that get destroyed, Damage Control. They're the ones. So it's a it's a, a comedy book. Did you... I assume you were a fan of Damage Control, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Was, uh, Dwayne McDuffie and, I believe, Ernie Cullen. Yes. And, of course, um, I, I would not be doing my best Vince impersonation if I didn't also mention that uh, there is the monthly Valiant bundle <laughs> where you can get all eight Valiant issues for uh, 50% off, including... Uh, Ninjak number seven, uh, Book of Death number three, Ivar the Time Walker number nine, Exo Manowar number forty, Bloodshot Reborn number six, and what am I forgetting? Rai number ten, Imperium number eight, and Unity number twenty-two. So all good stuff right there. And the first trade of Ninjak is available also for fifty percent off, uh, and I will be getting that because. I have not read any Jack yet. So, pretty stoked for that. Nice. And did you know that Gabe Hardman did a cover for Aliens versus Vampirella number one? How about that? That is interesting. And if you're on Dap's Archie Kick, Jughead number one is coming out. That's right. For 50% off for a buck ninety-nine. So, lots of choices. I think as I look here, there are more than, a, almost looks like more than 100 items this month that are at least 50% off. It's incredible. That is. 
So there you go, Discount Comic Book Service. We thank them profusely, and we thank you all. And where can uh, where can they find us, David, if, if they haven't gotten enough of us over the last three hours? Oh, man. Uh, individually, they, uh, they can find us on uh, Twitter, at David A. Price, at J-J-A-Y-B Wood. And uh, now that he got his login issues fixed... At Vince Vaughn. Uh, not that he posts on Twitter. It's basically just stuff he posts on Facebook that didn't make their way on Twitter. But uh, we are also on Facebook. We are uh, our own pages and the uh, the 11 O'Clock Comics Facebook group page. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the forum, uh, 11com And uh, that's pretty much it if you feel like it uh maybe not reference to this episode but you can leave us an itunes review uh you can find us on <laughs> stitcher you can find us on uh on libsyn we are around we're everywhere airy everywhere airy so yeah right. so uh any any problems with this episode any uh compliments or complaints um let us know. Stop by any of uh, any of those places, and uh, and let's hear them, and and we'll just tell you to blame Vince. It's true. Ooh, and Atari Force is coming back too. We didn't yes, can't wait for that. Oh, dude, you just I, I oh, it's gonna be great. Literally, can't. We're gonna do a deep dive on that when it comes back out for reals. Yeah, no diggity. Because folks don't even know. No, they they don't. But they need to know. Ah, oh, that Garcia Lopez art. Dart oh, was forget the, the, it. The, the things I wanted to do to Dart. Oh, they were just. Oh yeah. For yeah. reals, my boy with the mullet and dad and oh, what a man! That good mm-hmm. times. Good times indeed. Yeah, going out on a high note. Yes. All right, we love you all. Later, people. Say, Say good night, David. Good night, David.
Make some noise and just, just yeah. live! 